We are back with a very special bonus edition of the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. My name is Dirty Mike. And I am the Big Ugly. And we are here in the mansion. And this is Brian S. Gamble behind the storm. So I'm going to give you the intro before I'm going to have you speak because I don't get to introduce you anymore. So... Let's give him, this man has been a professional wrestler, this man has been a booker, this man has been a video editor, video creator, he's basically done it all, and we've only seen some parts of it. Now we're going to hear behind the scenes, behind the story, this is Desert Storm, aka Brian S. Gamble, the beast of America. Right. Was, it, was it my turn now? It is your turn now. I yeah, wonder when you're going to shut the fuck up. Well, you know, and this is an uncensored, <laughs> apparently, podcast. Oh, we should have said that before I started As cussing. we have, well, you know, <laughs> you, you mentioned it offline, and, and Big Ugly, it's up to you, too. You know, this is uncensored. I don't know if you got an edit button on that thing. Don't even yeah. bother. You're going to break your computer. <laughs> we, uh, we can uh, edit it if necessary. Uh, it won't be. Welcome so, to the uh, mansion. Hey, I'm back once again. I thought that the last time I was here with my, uh, my bro... Apollo, this will be it, but no, I'm back. And this is because I I, I wanted to, and uh, hold over a second. <clears throat> All right. Bless you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's because I wanted to, because um, one thing that a lot of people don't know about me is that I enjoy being a storyteller. I love telling stories. I love it. And whether it be stories coming out of my mouth or stories going to film, um, I love doing it. And... With the way things have happened and, and uh, with EWA and my exit along with others, um, those stories, you know, came to a halt. And, uh, you know, it's it, it was it was bound to happen. And, and you know, there, there are some behind the scenes parts that will be left out because uh, I do want to uh, say, first and foremost, if you're listening to this because you were waiting for me to bash EWA uh, or talk about Jim or the way the exit has happened and anything else up to this point, you go ahead and turn it off. Wait, no, don't turn it off. You're telling our listeners to turn it off. Don't turn it off. Don't turn it off. Stay. But I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I'm not going to bash them. But what I am going to do is I'm going to talk about the creative process um, when it came to me, how some of the stories that some of you that were paying attention saw, how some of them came about, uh, and um, you know what it took to get to that point, and even some of the reasons why. And as an added bonus, I'm going to talk about what was supposed to happen after Sweet 16. 2017. Yes. Okay. Because Which was your last EWA appearance. Correct. Uh, there were... There were things that were going to happen that I had planned out all the way up to September 2017. And I'm going to reveal what those things are here on this program. So stay tuned because you don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss that. Big Ugly, you've uh, you've been part of the storytelling. What do you think of, of what you've seen up to this point or up to that point in EWA? Well, well what I'll say is before he, he answers that question. Don't cut the Big Ugly off. I know he didn't start, no, no. so I didn't cut him off. <laughs> I, I, it is going to help his answer because... I took over. I took over in January of uh, I believe 2014. No, 2015. No, right? it was 15. Yeah, July, uh, January, January 2015 was yep. my first official uh, book show. So the months leading up to that, between Last Rites 2014 and January 2015, was all was all pretty much me. Um, I did not book the entire card, but 
with the, with what I was able to handle, I was able to supplement a lot of the stories, and that was when our filming really took off and a lot of videos. So you can go ahead and answer yeah. the question. No, so I came on uh, pretty much like I'm in last year in 2016, mm-hmm. and I remember telling uh, Dirty Mike how impressed I was, you know, my first time going to indie shows and everything, um, how great it was, and super impressed. And I think this was my favorite was the booking of you and TJ for mm-hmm. the last match and those videos and the build up was just off the charts great so one last dance yeah one last yeah. dance we're gonna exactly, talk about that yeah. that's, that's my favorite like those videos were just amazing and I'm a filmmaker so you know I love stories too mm-hmm. so yeah that, that got me sweet yeah. and I'm a big pro wrestling fan as you both know and especially getting to know you Brian over the past several years you know I'm a, I'm a fan I love what I do and I love to be a part of it but I like also the stories that go along with it there's got to be a rhyme a reason a meaning something and i'm always looking for that whether it's personal characters or group storyline or the way a match is presented the way a match is built you know there's a lot of different things so i'm excited to hear about that and we have to put this out right now we said this before the podcast and we'll probably put a disclaimer on the podcast that these views that are expressed in this podcast are in no way affiliated directly with ewa pro wrestling or uh, you know, Mikey D or, you know, anybody affiliated with EW. This is yeah. not EWA Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is for the fans, not even say hashtag EWA country. This is for everybody, you know, yeah. who's a pro wrestling fan, who's a fan of your work, Brian, whether it be Desert Storm or whether it be, uh, you know, things that you're doing now, which we'll get into later, you know, a yeah. fan of uh, somebody who's viewed one of your many, many videos. Or Spark 4 Productions. Let's just put you over right there. Yeah. yeah you know what I'm saying? That's me. Now, uh, also on top of that, these these views have nothing to do with the company that I, I now work for, which is uh, MCW Pro Wrestling. So this, this has nothing to do with them. Um, this was something I did personally under my own accord. Uh, something you asked for. You were like, man, we should do this. And, yeah, and, and being big ugly, we're it. like, we're on it. Uh, and this has nothing to do with them. Uh, this has nothing to do with EWA. Uh, none, none of the owners or, or people backstage have anything to do with this. This is just Brian coming on a podcast with Dirty Mike and the Big Ugly talking about some things that happened over the past few years and uh, we're just going to have a good time. We're going to have a good time. And later on, we may get to talking about like WWE stuff, Money in the Bank perhaps, or Mauro Ronaldo joining NXT, or Stone Cold Steve Austin showing up on Raw, or Hulk Hogan coming back to the WWE at some point. We might get to that. Wait, Stone Cold showed up on Raw? Not yet. Oh. But apparently there's rumor and innuendo, as they call it, all yeah. over the uh, Facebook. Is that, that what they're calling it these days, the Facebook? The Facebook. Um, you the know. Twitter. The, the <laughs> but yeah, there's rumor and innuendo. So depending on when you're listening to this podcast, um, you, you might see some things. But tonight, it's all about Brian S. Gamble behind the storm. And you gave me a lot of things to bring up bullet points. Yeah, because um, my, my memory's awful. Well, I mean, you, you, you are a professional wrestler. You have been. So you've been hitting the head a lot. Uh-huh. And, you know, dropped on your back a lot. I've actually taken a 450 to the face. Thank you to my former roommate, Sean Weber. I appreciate you for that, that was, one. Um, I was there. Uh, that, that was one of the first yeah. nights I actually refereed. That was probably the worst concussion I've ever had. I think I've had three. What's for- the four? 450. Uh, the 450, where uh, you are laying down uh, right up under the corner, your opponent goes to the top rope and does a complete rotation and a half flip, landing his stomach or chest onto your stomach and That's your chest. The desired result. That's the yeah. desired result. My opponent that night rotated, didn't make it all the way around, and his knee landed on my head and shoulder, something like that. All I know is I was out for about a good 10 seconds, maybe. Yeah. You like, were, you when were when the count happened, 
if anyone can, I have the video, of course. Why well, I say if anyone can find the video, I have it. Uh, when the count happened, I think my, I have my right leg, uh, my leg, he hooked the leg, and my leg didn't even curl. It was just, a, it was like a tree trunk, <laughs> straight, because I was gone. Yep. I was gone. And then the funniest part was, about three minutes later, we had to do a promo after that. And they gave me the mic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, uh, I was like half dead. And they gave me the mic. Apparently, you can still talk, though, when you're half-conscious. Yeah, yeah. It, it worked out okay. Sometimes the subconscious is a, is a powerful thing. Are you conscious this evening? Unfortunately. Oh, man. <laughs> you're in the mansion. Look, I got proof. We were friends once, okay? I see it. I you see You know, it, Mike. you were like, man, we need to put this th- evidence in the toilet. Hey, I'm man, like, hey, I, I made your life a living hell on several occasions. Remember I shoved the slice of pizza in your mouth? Yes. That happened? Oh, yes. Yeah. I, came out eating a, I came out eating a slice of pizza one time because I was just a jerk. And uh, I got in the ring and uh, in exchange for the microphone that Mikey D was holding. Yes. I shoved a pe- slice of pizza, half eaten, that I had already eaten into his mouth. <laughs> There's a lot and of great so pictures of, of Desert Storm getting in Mikey D's face. <laughs> yeah, a, we, we had a lot of fun. I mean, before Supremacy made my life hell, the DOD made you know Mikey oh, yeah. D's life hell. And yeah. and it's not, it was everybody, but it was more Desert Storm than anybody else. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, those were fun times. I mean, ultimately, they mm-hmm. were fun times, and hopefully we're friends. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you won't put that over on this podcast. Hey, man, I would be in your stank-ass mansion if we weren't. This ain't no stank-ass. This is 27 rooms. The TJ Sykes said that never was clean, but this this, this is clean. This is uncentered. This bitch is clean. All right. You know what I'm saying? But anyway... Uh, let's get let's get to uh, some of these bullet point and <laughs> bullet. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, this is terrible. Um, anyway, let's let's go back to when you were first uh, made the Booker Man of EWA Pro Wrestling. Shortly before Rage in the Cage 2015, I believe it was when the reins were handed over to you. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. How did you get into that role? What was your initial vision? What was your grand vision? Let's start at the beginning. Well, one of the things that happened, uh, we, we had a meeting, and uh, the booker at the time could not make it. I can't speculate, and I won't speculate as to why. Um, and Car you know, trouble? The, uh, that's, uh, that's what, I've, if I recall, that's what it was. It was car trouble. And, uh, you know, he couldn't make it. Happens. And, you know, with without him there, uh, it, it just kind of... For lack of a better word, because I mean, there's more to the story, but I'm not going to tell it on this podcast. Uh, Lack of better terms, I I ended up accepting the role, and it was when we were sitting at that table. It was it was myself, Jim, John Berg, Apollo. I believe Chris Burns was there. Uh, I think Jim's wife was there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we all had a huge table at uh, Red Brick Station. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you've never been there, go. It's, it actually is really nice, really delicious. They have really good beers. On Tuesday nights, dollar, dollar, dollar beer night. Um, yeah, buddy. But, yeah, and, you know, they, they gave me the reins. And one of the things that, you know, at this point, I'd been in for three and a half years. I'd been with EWA. I had watched three or four sets of bookers just kind of fail at what they were doing. And it wasn't necessarily their fault. Uh, uh well, I can think of two bookers who it wasn't their fault, um, but the rest of them just kind of were just kind of doing whatever, and I wasn't necessarily even sure they were actually like well versed in the business, and they were just kind of fell into it, and you know it caused a lot of pain for a lot of people. I mean, some people laughed. It was just awful, and um, so we were in a situation in EWA where 
there was we barely had any you know any body there was there was a lot of people just gone and there was a huge lack of lack of participation so when mm-hmm. when they handed the reins over to me the first thing i said to them was if i'm going to do this you know i need to have as close to as total control as possible mm-hmm. and you know i'd never stepped in a role like this before uh but i knew i had an idea how i wanted to do things and it was basically from learning from the mistakes of other people, and that was that was what I wanted to uh, that was what I wanted to do. That's how it happened, and you know that was when I just kind of started and uh, put more of a focus on uh, the storytelling. Huge focus on that, mm-hmm. big time. And uh, we kept uh, so we kept working from there. So, Raging the Cage, 2015, uh, in my opinion, was a success. The, the Cage Show every year that EWA puts on the All Steel Cage Show is always. A big hit one way or the other whether it's about the cage itself or whether it's about the talent inside the cage or the stories leading up to the cage yeah um, which at that point for that show there weren't a whole lot of stories developed and like you said there was a whole lot of kind of holes that, and big ugly you'll attest to this when there's people that aren't there that you know you can't really tell the story right yeah, there, there's yeah. people that got to be there on a consistent basis as you know big ugly if you get hurt if you get injured if you're out you out of the storyline but if you're just not there Trust me, this is actually going to be something that gets revisited later. Oh, okay. But, um, I'm sorry, Big Ugly. You, no, you, Big Ugly. No, no, I didn't have anything on it. Okay, no. no but, you uh, got something This is Big Ugly. No, yeah. no, no. Okay. Go but, 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 but this but, is but, behind but, the storm. <laughs> behind the, the storm. Back, back to 20, Back to 2015, yeah. after Raging the Cage. Okay, well, no, not even after. Mm. We're going to talk about during. Leading into, about. leading into that show, when I say I didn't book the whole show, it was because there were some things at that point that were already in motion. There's a couple things. Um, mainly the heavyweight championship match. Okay. Um, was already in motion. I had nothing to do with that. Uh, it, do you want to say what that uh, was? No. Okay. Uh, I no, have no point in putting people on blast here. You know, just well, that's why I said I'm, I'm not going to do that. All right. All right. Uh, if you want to look into what it was, go back in time and research it. But um, I had nothing to do with that. Okay. That was completely out of my hands. Um also, Bill Ward, uh, completely out of my hands. Okay. And that's something that will come up again later. Uh, but as far as the rest of the show was structured, and it was my first show booking a professional wrestling show. And um, I, made, I made a lot of mistakes at the show. Mainly, there were some things that uh, I, I felt like I was forced to do that normally, you know, you, if you think you know a lot about wrestling, because we all do at some point. Um, but, you know, we're always <laughs> constantly learning. Um, you know, I made some mistakes on that show. But my biggest concern was crafting a story uh, that had already started uh, from when I was not booking that did, that did involve me. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I was booking now, I had a little more creative leeway, which was the beginning. You missed this part. This was the beginning of... Uh, Desert Storm and TJ Sykes. Mm-hmm. So once I, I didn't miss this part, big ugly, well, yeah, big, uh, big ugly missed it. Yeah, so, I was there. So when it came down to it, um, I was able to have a little more creative freedom with how it was going to go. I was filming it, I was editing it, so I saw the vision. I knew exactly how I wanted it to go. But then there was also other things that I was working on as well. I was working on getting Michael Zamedio and Wes uh, Wes Mercer. I almost said Wes's real name. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Wes. Um, He's the legendary super cruiserweight. Yeah, on, man. yeah. So. Um, with between Michael Zamenio and, and, and Wes, I was working on trying to get that. Um, another big thing I wanted to do was I wanted to have the first female cage match mm-hmm. in Maryland, which you know it took some work, but you know well, we, uh, we we did we, it. We, well, we got, yeah. No, you said it took some work. Why is that? It, well, <sighs> 
Um, How do you say this? By I, I'm, I'm really trying to say, I'm really trying to be as political as yeah. possible with this one. And I may have to do this with the mic off to get you to explain, to get you to understand. But I know a lot of our listeners who are in the wrestling business understand. But um, um, female wrestlers who are very talented, they, um, you know, they they are because there's there's less. And I, and I really I'm really trying so hard not to sound sexist because I'm not. Because there are not as many female wrestlers as there are male wrestlers, especially in the state of Maryland, mm-hmm. yeah. they do cost a little bit more yeah. when, it, when it comes to you know booking them. Right. Um, EWA has never had a strong female presence, which is also something I was working on, and I wanted to start there. Um, but you know, as the booker, the booker ain't the one paying the paychecks, and I'll just leave it at that. Okay. okay. Yep. Yeah. That's fair enough. Yeah. But, you know, you did end up, and we did end up having the first ever female cage match in not only EWA Pro Wrestling, but in, I believe, in the state, in the state, in the state of Maryland. Of Maryland. And right? I, I, re- I did a lot of research on it, and I couldn't find anything. I couldn't, I couldn't find anything. That was legit. And before I even said that on the promos that you were cutting, I said, is this legit? Am I saying this for real? Because yeah. I couldn't find it either. Yeah, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't let you say if it was a lie. I mean, honestly, at this point, we're still wrong. I mean... I looked into it. I did I a lot of research because I really wanted to promote that correctly, and I didn't want, you know, some some old guy with a with an AWA hat on busting out in the crowd like I bought like he bought a ticket to show up to tell me that we were we were fucked up, you know, like, like <laughs> hell no, I saw Fabulous Moolah and fucking Wendy Richter in the cage and goddamn 1983, and I'd be like, well, shit, I was a year old. Sorry, man. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, no, I really push for that. As I, far as the independent scene goes, I can't speak for AWA, NWA, way far back. There may have been something that we missed. But as far as independent wrestling goes, and as far as any local wrestling organization in the state of Maryland... Well, I, at, at the least, we could say that we were right about that part. We were right about at that. At the least. But I mean, I really wanted to have the first one. I really wanted to have the, the first one. I wanted that badly. Um, so that happened. So, could, so yeah, and it happened. The yeah. first one happened. Now, I know you had a vision to create a women's division, to create yes, a did. women's championship. Yes, I did. And unfortunately... Fortunately, because we didn't, for some reason, we didn't have, you know, that many female trainees down at the Pain Factory. We didn't have a lot of female professional wrestlers in and around the Maryland area that were circulating our way. And and just in general, for every... 10 male wrestlers there's probably one female wrestler as far as I don't know if that ratio I mean that's a that's a pretty fair way to say it I mean the majority of the wrestling shows uh, in the state at least back at that point um, before the, the the latest women's wrestling boom the majority of them had one female you know one female female wrestling match and if we were lucky we'd see a a, a a tag match or maybe even a six women's tag and even then it was just like you know it's it's still one match you know, and the rest, yeah. of, you know, and, that, and that's between EWA, ACW, MCW, House of Pain, you know, so mm-hmm. all of them. And I mean, there's several talented uh, female wrestlers in the state that are, you know, called the state home or even D.C., the DMV area, whatever. But mm-hmm. it was few and far between. And because of that, at least from what I was told from the man holding the checkbook, they were too expensive. I got to say that's probably because they're, you know, and that might be right. I mean, as far as the man holding the checkbook, we don't know. That's him. That, that's all on him. Mm-hmm. But as far as the commission goes, the Maryland State Athletic Commission, which, you know, God bless them. They look over all of our shows. But, you know, having a woman get involved, having a woman take a punch or deliver a punch or take a bump, as it were. It's your favorite word, Big Ugly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's different because there's a lot of rules. Well, and one of the one that's of the, something that you can get into as well. One of the one of the biggest rules that we we've, we've always had is whether or not a woman 
can take a bump from a man or vice versa. Um, and even then, it, it would take special permission. We we were granted special permission a couple times, mm-hmm. um, but you know, even then, it was it, it, it was a lot a lot of red tape to jump over to get get to even that point. And even then, we would usually have to say something in advance uh, to the commission. You know, not not something like when show they're like, hey, you know, she's gonna hit him in the face, and he'd be like, uh, no, that's not gonna happen. But I mean, we give it give it advance time, advance warning, and that's that's you know a good general rule of thumb with the. Maryland State, Maryland State Athletic Commission, um, you know, they, they they will generally, you know, give you the chance to, you know, to, you know, try to do some things and, and put a story over uh, without, you know, too much resistance. I mean, they, they said no to me more times. They said, yeah, but I mean, it's for good reason. They have rules, you mm-hmm. know, and we got to follow the rules, got to abide by the rules. And, and by no, no way am I saying anything negative about them because no. uh, I know almost the you know the majority of the guys that come down uh, and sit there and check all of us in and all that stuff and yeah. make sure that we're doing everything safely and right because I mean if, you know we we want to be safe right so you know and there, and and that should be there there are specific rules that are good for the business I think mm-hmm. you know we don't have to go over these rules here but I mean there's a lot of things you know we, we don't want people bleeding we don't want people getting hit in the head with steel chairs you know and that's just to name a few we don't want people getting spiked on their head Look, but I mean if, if they want the rules go to the website I mean they're, they're, they're right there go to the website but you know uh, having said that however the women's Division the Re- women's revolution in EWA pro wrestling never really did happen. We had a couple of singles matches. Yeah. We had a couple of women involved in, say, our Sweet Sixteen tournament. Yeah, you know, we had uh, some things leading up, <clears throat> and then even towards you know when you left, you know, there were still a couple of women doing a couple of things, but not necessarily a women's division, and unfortunately, never a women's title. So, yeah. what happened to the to the genesis and the future of that? Why did it all fizzle out? Um, it mostly fizzled, fizzled out because of. You know, I, it it goes back to the to to the pay situation. You know, um, you, you had to invest in it. You know, you had to invest your championship. You had, uh, you know, a title. You, you had to invest to, in the talent. You can't if you have a if you have a women's title and you have a fed full of dudes. What's that going to do for you? You know, and um, it's it's that that's really what it was. It was just um, you know the the management was not. Uh, willing to invest in the women's division, and that's nothing said negatively on the management. Yeah. That's just that's their, just, it was choice. it was what he wanted. It was their, what he wanted. Decision. So now coming from like a business standpoint, is there a payoff for getting more women? And I don't know if you you guys know the you know know the history of like you know does it bring in more viewers to have women on your indie card? Um, you know, will they put the butts in the seat? I guess. At well, the end of the day, so you make the investment. Are you going to get the payoff by bringing up that women's division? If you put them, if you put them in the right place, and this is all my belief, and I, and I have to say this because I know how Maryland wrestling can be, and just indie wrestling in general. This is my opinion. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying I'm right, and vice versa. In my opinion, if you put your, if you put some ass behind it, and you do it correctly, yeah, it, it will. It, there will be a payoff because EWA's been around, had been around since, but depending on what day, it's either 2000 or 2003. <laughs> and Many say 2000. And it's, it's, never, it's never had a strong female presence, ever, ever. So I wanted to focus on that. And that included managers like Violet. That included Nyla Rose. That included uh, uh, 
Ashley America, mm-hmm. Rebecca Payne. You know, it included those people. Maria Manic at one point. Yeah, Maria Manic. Yeah, it included them. Rabbit you know? Rizzo at some point. Yeah, Rabbit Rizzo. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm not meaning to say forget names, but I mean, you know, when you look back at the history of EWA versus when I was in charge of that, I mean, we just named five women versus normally at that point it had been up to you know almost zero, mm-hmm. especially not having a character on 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 the show. Right. So it's it was something that I really wanted to put a lot of ass behind. It's just that I I just didn't have the you know I didn't have the support that I wanted when it came to that particular thing because uh, you know it's it, EWA is a family show. Yeah. You know, it's right. a family show. And the the mere possibility of some sort of slip, some sort of wardrobe malfunction, mm-hmm. something, some sort of risque storyline uh, that involves a woman, uh, it's it's hard. It was hard for management to digest the possibility of, of that happening at, on his show, on their show. It was hard for them to digest, so it just didn't happen. I think I'm going to segue right there. I'm going to answer Big Ugly's question, and I'm going to say I agree with you. Brian, there is a market for that. It's got to be done properly. It's got to be done correctly. Normally, over a long period of time, women, in the classic stories, there were a lot of women fighters, women wrestlers. Then up into the Attitude Era, it was more TNA, you know, eye candy, things like that. Then it was more of both, kind of together, like the divas and the women's, you know, what you see on WWE television. That's kind of what it is. There's, you know, a lot of of, uh, women out there that can portray and something of evil or good or beautiful or demented, whatever, and yeah. they portray a character and they can also back it up in the ring. Mm-hmm. So that's fantastic. There is a market for it. However, you mentioned the mere, you know, possible something of slipping and something of risque. Let's talk about when Desert Storm kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that came into my mind when you talk about risque. <laughs> because you don't know why he want me to get kidnapped. On the very first appearance of Desert Storm on the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast, Desert Storm was at the EWA Paint Factory and apparently had a visitor. But let's yeah, talk about call this. That. Let's talk. <laughs> All right. So you being, you know, on the booking committee, were the booker or on the creative, you know, you had the opportunity, whether you asked permission or didn't ask permission, you we had storylines where a woman was kidnapped. We had storylines where a woman was super kicked in the face. We and, and trust me, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, we've had storylines where men and women together have made this storyline and it was made more powerful because you as the creative director, I guess you could say, put the woman in the right place at the right time. Did you ask permission? I'm not going to get into that. Maybe maybe <laughs> not. Did it happen? Yes, but why am I talking about it 2 or 3 years later because it made an impact. And it set up a story. So do you, would you like to talk about that? Specifically the kidnapping? Well, let's start with the kidnapping. All right. So and I'm going like I'm, 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 I'm to get a little personal here. Get, you, you do I'm going to get a pretty personal it, All right. So once upon a time, I was married. And she, she was kind of the, uh, she's kind of the jealous type. You know, she's very territorial. No. I'm sorry. So... I knew as someone who considers himself not only just not only a pro wrestler performer but also an actor filmmaker you know you have to find yourself House of Cards Netflix yeah (laughs) you have to find yourself (laughs) in these situations in these stories sometimes 
whether it be for pro wrestling with people that you see, whether it be on television with people that you see outside of television, you know what I mean? Because no matter whether you're coworkers. Mm-hmm. So you, you're going to eventually find yourself in a storyline where this may happen or you have to refuse a storyline because you're worried about what mama at home is going to say mm-hmm. or what papa at home is going to say if you're a woman, but you know, vice versa. Mm-hmm. So we separated. You and your wife. Me and my wife, we okay. separated. And, and this is going to sound so lame. I had, I was once a backyard wrestler. And I think, come on. Yeah. No, evolved. I, I know. Uh, there's there's been a few, there's a few of us out there in the Indies right now that, are, that were backyard wrestlers. But one of the storylines I had there was that I had, I had I said, look, I was a teenager, so no judging. <laughs> Um, I was corrupted by this dude who was basically like this evil motherfucker and he made me evil. And so I kidnapped a girl who at the time was my girlfriend and I made her evil and she came out to the ring with me and also the bullshit. So I wanted to take that story and make it, make it a little bit more adult, make it a little bit more relatable. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and the fact that it was, you know, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but, you know, TJ and that one girl, uh, <laughs> they were actually, they actually used to be in a relationship. Now, at this point, the, the relationship had ended, mm-hmm. but she was still his manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because I knew that it was pretty apparent that fans knew that they were together at some point, whether they had known their relationship was over at this point or not. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Macho and Elizabeth. Okay. Um, Who worked together like, for years after Yeah, after they had already... Exactly, but no one knew that. Nope. You know? So, you know, I played to that, and I said, you know what? It To, to coincide with my heel turn at the time, because I turned on Jim, I had gone all anti-America, black, black and white American flag. But, I mean, there was really no... Direction because I, I mean I wasn't booking. There was really no direction. So before I started booking, I went to the current booker and I pitched the idea about going up against TJ and you know basically how is that going to happen? Was the was the Beast of America going to do to fuck with TJ? The Beast of America at this point was already heavyweight champion. I had already broken Wes Mercer's neck. Um, I screwed Gray Wolf out of the title. So what was left? You know, so what was left was for me to go into a maddening descent uh, <laughs> even further than I had already gone. I mean, I went from soldier to the beast of America to now I'm I don't give a fuck about anybody. And he was bad. And man. it was and setting up the story for those who weren't there and for you, Big Ugly, because you weren't there. Uh, TJ and Skull, who is now sickened, mm-hmm. they were the tag team champions. Uh, they were feuding with the Hellcats uh, at the time. And um, the Hellcats were on their way out. So, um, and this was, once again, I was not Booker yet. Mm -hmm. And I have to put that out there. This was not, this part was not my idea. Okay. Because I know how people get. (laughs) After, after the, after, you know, TJ and Skull, you know, retained the titles in the ladder match. The booker had me and my tag partner at the time go out there as I'm already heavyweight champion, mm-hmm. and have TJ say, you know, you know he'll take the, you know they felt like they were on top of the world because they beat the Hellcats. They're like, we'll take on any t- anybody, anytime, anywhere. They say, you know, we came out of the crowd and we beat them. I chokeslammed TJ. I pinned them. 
by the way, for those who weren't there, yes, I did trip over the guardrail as I was jumping <laughs> over it, and I landed flat on the ground. Um, they tell you to stay away from the guardrail. I know, I know. So your ass don't. Well, anyway, go ahead. So yeah, so we beat him for the tag titles, and uh, in the story, I was like, you know, I pitched that. I was going to now because I had the freedom and not worry about having to go home and get hit in the head with a rolling pin. I could do this storyline. So I started to slowly become more obsessed with his manager. Uh, and that was where that started. There mm-hmm. was the there was the uh, the hair sniffing incident uh, <laughs> where I was hiding in the crowd and I grabbed her and started sniffing her hair all furiously. Um, that was really creepy. Yeah. That, that was before the kidnapping. No, I know. That was before this the was kidnapping. leading up to the kidnapping, yeah. but that was creepy. Yeah. So uh, I what, think what you didn't do and what you hinted at was probably creepier than what you actually did. <laughs> I don't know, man. What Desert Storm did. Come, come, well, it was me. Brian was S. Campbell me. is a <laughs> genuine individual. Yeah. And then, you know, when I came out and uh, wearing TJ's gear and mm-hmm. I was dancing like Michael Jackson and all that stuff, that was pretty fun. That was. Um, and then the kidnapping happened. Mm-hmm. And the kidnapping happened. And you, uh, Desert Storm, had her kidnapped for several months through yep. the through the holidays. Yeah, the story the storyline was it was about it was after EWA's last show. It was uh, it was after no, it was after Evolution. Evolution. Um, that's where I did the Michael which Jackson was in thing. September of two thousand. Wait, no, no, it was after it was after Last Rites. I did after after Last Rites. You did, but yeah. all this hair sniffing stuff started before that. Right, right, you right. You kidnapped right, right. her after Last Rites, which was in October uh-huh. of two thousand. 14, 14. 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I kidnapped her, and uh, you know, basically the storyline was that I was going to hold her captive over the holidays. We're going to step back for a second. Okay. This was before Last Rice, because Last Rice was when I gave him the choice. Oh, yeah. Okay. So right. it might have been Evolution. So, yeah. So it was right after Evolution. Yep, I kidnapped yep. her. Yep. Last Rites. Evolution uh, was I September. come out. I come out. Right. She's in a tall collar and chain, and I can't believe I didn't get in trouble for that. Duct tape over the mouth. Duct tape over her mouth. I had her in a dog collar and a chain. I, I dragged her out like a slave. This was yeah, um, yeah. every stereotype is, you can break. He broke it with this. This, one. Is, this is where it started. This I wasn't. Even, I still black, wasn't even Booker yet. Large black man dragging smaller white woman out with yeah, dog chain and yeah. duct tape and looking beat up. The makeup job. Was oh yeah, out. we had her. Yeah, we had her do her makeup like she was crying. For like the whole time I had it was a couple weeks, so like man, like, she was this crying. is risky. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, and um, I wanted to push the envelope because no, you know, we tried to do the same old hokey shit, you know. So you know, we had her like that, and we made TJ make a choice. We were like, hey, all right, you're gonna either a pick her because when I kidnapped her, I've left this part out. When I kidnapped her, TJ had won the Evolution contract. I kidnapped her in TJ's car. Mm-hmm. So not only did I kidnap her, I also stole TJ's car, yes. which had the contract in the glove compartment. That's right. That's my storytelling mode right there. So I made him choose. But you're not the booker yet. No, I'm not the booker yet. I was. I. I. He. I was. I had leeway over this particular story. So it was either A, pick the contract, or B, pick the girl, mm-hmm. which means I would. I would keep the contract, which means I was that would secure me staying heavyweight champion. Um. And, uh, holy, hold up. Fuck. <laughs> See, I knew I was going to forget shit. I lost the title in September. Yes. That was what drove uh, me to the kidnapping. Right. Okay. That's right. I lost the title to Sean Cannon. That's, That's right. right. Mm-hmm. I remember so that. I refereed that. I much. wanted to get the contract back so I would use it to get my title back. Mm-hmm. But he picked the contract. So I kept the girl <laughs> over the holidays. So, you know, after, after a nice dose of, uh, <laughs> oh, man. 
I want to go back. Is that considered a heel move to pick the contract over? Well, the way we we did it, the way we did, the way we did that, covered that up, was that we had it so that. don't, don't worry about it. It's <laughs> we had okay. Her real name is Rebecca. Whatever. You said her name earlier anyway. Did I? Yeah, you did. We mentioned when we were talking about the women in EWA. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, I didn't name her. No, no. You. No, well, no. I'm sorry. Not. You named Rebecca Payne. I apologize. Yeah, Rebecca Payne. Yeah. Well, whatever. I heard you say Rebecca. But Alexis. Anyway. We'll, we'll get to, so we don't confuse anyone. It's Alexis Divide. Alexis um, Divide. We had it so that Alexis would say, would tell TJ. Because she cared about him and loved him, quote unquote. I'm throwing mm-hmm. up air quotes for those who can see it. <laughs> um, to keep the contract because he worked hard for it. Okay. So he did it anyway. So then, Mikey, we know what happened after that. Well, we do. And that we was, do. That was the birth. That was the birth of party time. <laughs> it it was, was the was birth next. of party time. Yeah. So, okay, you know... <laughs> I, I, you know I I'm still, referring to the video. I love the video. No, I love the video. And then there was... Uh, there was some risque video in that one, but there was uh, definitely some party time in there. Uh, well, that, that was where I first said it. The uh, birth of the chapstick, the, I think. The birth, yep, that was also the birth of the chapstick. Could get, setting up the stage for you here. Uh, for all those who haven't gotten bored to tears yet. Hey, you know, um, if y'all <laughs> listening, y'all the behind-the-scenes, yeah. then this is yeah. what this is. So, so anyway, so, so, yeah, so the video, I had her... Uh, basically, up. we set... The way we set this up was that we had Mikey G... No, hold on. We, remember, we had oh, you. Okay. We had Mikey D, because we set it up as kind of like a two Parter. Mm-hmm. We had Mikey D sit down TJ to interview him after you know she's already been gone for a couple months. Um, at this point, we're about I think three weeks before Rage in the Cage Pretty when this close. video came out. Yep. Um, so we had Mikey D do a sit down with TJ, and uh, he played him the video that I had sent to the EWA offices, and then we in the video clip we switched to. Uh, Alexis Devine tied up to a chair, wearing my T-shirt and my T-shirt only, with my sock in her mouth, with a tie wrapped around her head. By the way, it was really my sock. Um, and see, she was a trooper for this video. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll give her that much. She, oh, she, she bitched and moaned the whole fucking night. Yeah, but it's probably better for uh, creative purposes that she Yeah, it was. If she was happy-go-lucky, she wasn't having it after that. But anyway, go ahead. I mean, we had her hair all fucked up. She was just like... And, you know, the story, you know, I was I was telling TJ that I was barely feeding her. I was eating in front. I was eating the most. By the way, behind the scenes right here, that banquet turkey dinner, because it was right before Thanksgiving. That banquet, that banquet turkey dinner was fucking disgusting. It was fucking disgusting. I don't know if you can go back and watch the video. And look at it. So this actually is not three weeks before. I was wondering you were this, this was right before Thanksgiving. So yeah, I put out. Didn't, well, I put out the Thanksgiving video because I also released a Christmas video too. Right, right. So the Thanksgiving video was basically, you know, I was holding her over Thanksgiving. We, I think, we actually released it on Thanksgiving too. Might have. Um, where you know he watched the video and I wasn't feeding her and I was eating a fucking turkey dinner in front <laughs> of her, and you know that was when I got up and got to the, I I fucking put the phone up to the camera and I said I'm hitting my music I put on Goodbye Horses I got the I got the inspiration from Silence of the Lambs and Clerks too mm-hmm. you know and I started putting the chastic on got real close to the <laughs> to the camera and I said it's party time turned around to her spun her around like I was about to give it to her <laughs> and, and then I said you know that's too much for the camera and I shut the camera off now 
T, we flip back to the interview. TJ's there, and he just fucking goes ape shit. He's throwing chairs around and shit. <laughs> and then he grabs Mikey, and uh, I said in the video, you know, I was like, you know, wrestle me, winner gets the girl, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, TJ TJ throws Mikey up against the grate. Says, I tell him I accept. Let's him go. Boom. Animated graphic. Rage in the Cage 2015. TJ Sykes versus Desert Storm. And that was what uh, so we kicked it off. And they seen you know, the burst of. There's about 650 people in the fucking audience. It was the biggest Dang. crowd UWA ever had. 650. It was mm-hmm. the biggest crowd UWA we ever had. We were pushing fire code that night. Yeah, we were. It was the biggest was this, crowd Was this still the Tall Seaters? Yep. Mm-hmm. You have no idea. Dude. You have no idea. You have no idea how many fucking people were there. It was it was out of control. I'd never seen anything like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I remember being there. What was that patch? It was like 200 and something there for the cage. And well, maybe was 2016 it? for the cage, you might have been there. Or 2017 for no, the 2016, cage. No, 2016, we had almost got to 400 yeah. in 2016. Yeah. 2015, it was about the same, about four, 500. I, I just can't imagine 600 people. It was it was, it was was standing room only. Right. It was, I remember, and, and this is, this we got to remember, this was my first book show. I, nobody knows this. I actually, I actually teared up. When I saw the people, when the show was starting and the pre-show was happening, and people were still walking in, there was still a line wrapped around the building. Like I, I was like, that was huge to me. And it wasn't even about, even though I enjoyed the story and everything that was that I was going to be telling that night. Um, I felt like, you know, it was felt like instant vindication, even though nobody had challenged me. Uh, it felt like instant vindication. It was like, all right, let's get ready for this. Let's do it. So the stage is set, Rage in the Cage, 2015, mm-hmm. for the first dance between Desert Storm and TJ Sykes. Yeah. So the match went off. Why don't you talk about the match, and then why don't you talk about the ending of the match? Uh, ending of the match, for those who don't know, and I don't want to spend too much time on uh, me and TJ again, uh, at least not yet. But uh, it, she turned on him, Stockholm Syndrome, classic, you know. But, she, and she how was, did she turn on him? She, uh, she, <laughs> he, I, first off, I handcuffed her to the cage before I came out there. Or when I came it's out a there. classic and, uh, desert storm maneuver. So after my sixth super kick, fifth, it was the fifth one. After taking the fifth super kick, uh, he, TJ went out there to grab her, went to the chair, handed her the chair, told him to hit me because, you know, gets revenge for all the times I made her do awful things. That felt really good to me, if you know what I mean. And um, and it was, you know, and she turned around, hit him in there with the chair, and the crowd fucking lost their shit. Mm-hmm. They lost their shit. And, uh, you know, she put me on top of TJ and got the cover, and I won. And she stayed with me. And the rest of, and the rest of that story from that point was still me and her like she she was now about getting revenge against TJ because he chose that contract over her Mm -hmm. and you know me I wasn't done with TJ yet because there were just some things going on and and it was like I you know I continued to fuck with him Uh, and then the Sweet 16 tournament happened Um, I put him in jail (laughs) yes that was funny no, was that your idea? Nobody knows the trouble I see. Yeah, it was my fucking idea. That's what I thought. <laughs> so I uh, know I, I have to say that a so, lot of these ideas were supplemented by some other people. Okay. You know, like when me and TJ talked about things, we, we talked about some stuff. Like it wasn't hundred percent my idea. But I definitely had to do something to keep the feud going. Especially yeah. after the fact that our title was vacated shortly after that. Mm-hmm. 
which set up a ladder match in April, Anarchy in April, between myself, TJ, Mike was a medio and West. So there were those were my two major storylines that were going to be put in, put in the main event that were going to play out. Okay. Uh, and that's how that happened. Now, this is where the behind-the-scenes part comes in. Hey, now. Um, now, of course, uh, TJ won the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, which started his very long reign as champion. I continued to try to take the title away from him, and you know, obviously, I didn't. That was where he super kicked me forty-five times, <laughs> and uh, then super kicked her. Uh, and you know, she was. You gonna just glance, glance over that? The fact that he super kicked a woman. I told you, I'm not gonna. All right, I'm, all not, right. I'm not gonna talk too much. TJ and me. This is this is about the whole thing. But you know, that happened, and you know, unfortunately, we lost Michael Samedio. So the West. In a medial feud fizzled out. That's a damn shame, too. It is a damn shame because I was looking very forward to that. Uh, it wasn't before, however, Summer Sizzler that year, 2015, where Wes and Michael Zamedio and Colby Carino, the son of Steve Carino, mm-hmm. had a pretty fucking good triple threat match. Unfortunately, no one else has seen the lie of day of that because I'm holding on to the footage and haven't released it. Sorry, Wes. He's been asking for like two I'm years. Sure, he it. has. Uh, it's not. It's not that I'm holding on to it to be an asshole. It's just I'm, it's a lot of shit going on. You know, it's a lot of footage. Okay. But you know, it's uh, you know he, you know they they had a really good match with that before Mike was a medio left. Um, for you know for their own personal reasons, that's between him and the management. I'm not going to get into it. But all that needs to be known now is that unfortunately that story fizzled out. Mm-hmm. So so we we are up to now. I don't know how much you want to glance over or whatever. So now you're full-fledged Booker. You're, yeah, you're, you are. Full-fledged. Uh, so we're up to Summer Sizzler 2015. We're in the middle of, uh, you know, what is the genesis of TJ Sykes in Desert Storm, but that's only part of what you're doing. So where uh, where do you go from here? Where What is the rest of 2015 for your first year as a Booker? Well, what, what are the highlights and lowlights there? What well, are the behind-the-scenes? Well, a little more behind-the-scenes stuff, because uh, I said I would talk about this. Bill yes. Ward. Bill Ward. Bill Ward. Um, any match that you've seen Bill Ward in, zero of my booking whatsoever. Okay. So even while you were Booker, even while I was Booker, you had nothing to do with. That. I had nothing to do with Bill Ward. The management knew what they wanted to do with Bill, and they allowed it to happen. So my job, really, was to make sure it didn't interfere with the main storylines. I had to make sure that anything that Bill Ward was doing and what what was going on there had nothing to do with the major stories. And, I mean, they were telling their own story, and it's fine. Um, I, I helped to try to keep it to supplement the show because, I mean, if I'm booking the entire show and I have this one thing that's completely off kilter, you know, I have to make sure it's all relatable. But mm-hmm. for those who can go back, who if they have a desire to go back and look at results or pictures or whatever, you'll know, or even your own memories, you'll notice that a lot of the, a lot of the times, anything that Bill Ward did had nothing to do with the majority of the show. So I had to keep it. I had to make sure it was on its own separate island. But I couldn't do it by forcing the Bill Ward storylines to be that own separate island. I had to take my storylines back and make it its own its own peninsula, if you will and keep the show flow going very well. It was an idea of the owner to do a different attraction to get a different part of the audience in. I'm not 
uh, agreeing, not, not agreeing, defending. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm not even going that far. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying exactly what the facts are. Because that's you what know, they are. He's he's a part of the company, and that's the part that he plays. So right. everybody plays a different part of the company. But like you said, you have an entire show to book, so you have to tell a story not only within one match, but an entire, yeah, an entire show. So. Okay, you've you've designated that you've had nothing to do with that with the booking um, and, of Bill Ward. Okay, and with Summer Sizzler, if you remember that year, Summer Sizzler, we had a we we advertised the triple threat match for Apollo Cruz versus Steve Carino versus Bill Ward. Right, that was the original. Uh, now that's not what happened. No, uh, and. Uh, yeah, that it was. It ended up being Apollo versus uh, Steve Carino, and Apollo was Maryland champion. Uh, but that's where that's kind of where Storm Crew started. Storm Crew's really kind of started at the Sweet Sixteen the year before, mm-hmm. because in the first round we had tag team matches. Uh, there were tag team matches in four ways. Um, Apollo was on the team with. Uh, who was he on team with? Was he on team with me? Yeah, me and Apollo was were team. You? It was the first time. Sorry, second time me and Apollo ever teamed up. The first time was like a year and a half earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was Bill Ward because Bill and Apollo were feuding. And basically what, uh, what the way we worked that out was that Apollo was going to give up his spot to make sure Bill Ward didn't have a spot, which ended up getting me a spot because it went, the person that got the pinfall mm-hmm. was going to advance. I got the pinfall. Apollo helped me do it. Screwed Bill Ward out of it all at the same time, which of course at the same time was as that ensured that I was going to meet uh, TJ in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it was kind of like that. Uh, that's how that worked out. At this point in time, let's kind of go back. Is uh, the uh, Alexis Divine? She's still with you at this point. She is still with me. Because um, I want to get to the end of that story because I really like the end of that story. <laughs> you shocked the hell out of me with that one. Can we are, just- are we talking about the evolution? Are we talking about the proposal? Yes. <laughs> yes, we're talking about I, pushing the envelope with women again. Yeah. Oh, all right. Come on. Let's hear. It. Let's okay. do that. Let's all talk right. to that because I want to okay. hear about it because I have it written down in my notes. All right. This is fucking awful. All right. So <laughs> I'm aware of how awful this is, and I did it on purpose. So it's whatever. Um, so. She had a terrible accident in the summer. Um, she had a, 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 it was an aneurysm in her brain. Yeah. Like, this is real life. This That's, is oh, not, this, this, this is real life. This is a shoot. Okay. Now, I know it sounds like a story I'd tell. Yeah. But no, yeah. This, this one really fucking happened. Okay. Like, we yeah. were all at the hospital that night and everything. Yeah. Um, she had, to, they cut her brain open. They, they went all up in there and they sealed it up shut. So, you know, at this point in time, you know, her hair's really short. She's got a scar on her head because, you know, it was everything like that. You know, because they had to shave her head, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we had had a three-month break after I lost to TJ outright. And basically, Desert Storm, being the cocksucker he is <laughs> at this point in time, had blamed Alexis for it. So, I, I came up with the entire DOD, the Department of Defense. Now, at this point, the Department of Defense was myself, Joey Badami, JT Moore, um, God, what was his name? I know his real name, but, oh, this is so bad. Oh, um, I'm sorry, Casey. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, uh, um, God, his name's Casey. But uh, his real name is what Casey. Was his, what was his? What was his? Brent Sugar. There. Thank is. you, Brent. Brent Goddamn sugar. So, and he was I'm my he was my manager. Yeah, I, seriously. And um, and Alexis Devine. So I had an entire group with me, and I was just I came out there and I was you know I was real nice and real sweet. 
and I told everyone the first. I just started out telling everybody about her accident because we we were this is all doing off the off period. Yeah. So uh, so you know I this <laughs> turned into like a shoot promo because it he did. went out there like in legit everybody was caring and crying and, and one of the things it that, was one of the things I've 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 always said in my booking is that. You know, if you add a little dash of reality into a story that just makes it seem like it's real, it becomes more believable. So, you know, that was real. You know, she had the scar. She called the last time the fans saw her, she had a long, she had long blonde hair, shoulder length hair. Mm-hmm. Now she's got a fucking scar on her head. And her hair is all, she's pretty much bald. Um, so, you know, I go out there, I get the sympathy of the crowd, I tell them about that. And then I go, I just say, you know, like, this accident, you know, what happened to you made me realize that life is short. This was a heel turning face, theoretically, at this point. And I said, I don't want to waste any more time because I know how short life is now. So I dropped. Come on. (laughs) I dropped down the one knee. (laughs) I dropped down the one knee. And I say, I pull out. The ring box, which I got at Walmart earlier that day. <laughs> Backstage stuff. That's what. <laughs> and I and I said, you know, I had I, who was I think Apollo was holding the fucking microphone. He was in there. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but that's right. Apollo was with me too. He was there with no shoes on for some fucking reason because he always does that. Um, he wasn't even wearing flip flops. Right? No, no, you just barefoot, barefoot ass Apollo Cruz <laughs> is in the ring as I'm proposing. To Alexis Divine. The barefoot man in Maryland. But anyway. <laughs> so ahead. I open, you know, I slowly open the ring box. And I say, will you do me the honor? And I stand up, open the ring box. It's empty. Close it back up. Reach back like Al Bundy did when he's talking about poke high. And I fucking launch that box all the way to the back of the crowd. Apparently, I hit John Berg in the back of the head. <laughs> from what people have told me. And I say, will you do me the honor of getting the hell out of my ring? <laughs> That people were like, what the fuck? And I was like, you know, I was like, are you kidding me? You think I'd ever fucking marry you? I didn't say fuck, but yeah. I wanted to. Yeah, it's like, like you're sitting here, like, you know, I'm, I'm in pain after losing the TJ, and you're up in the, <laughs> oh God. And like, you're in the hospital going, oh, my brain hurts. Oh, I got a scar on my head. Oh. Oh. Yeah, you want to talk and, about telling a story. And I got the first ever asshole chant mm-hmm. of my career. <laughs> and um, and she ran off crying. And Now, backstage stuff. All right, yeah. Here we go. So, what was supposed to happen, for those who were there, when, were actually when, going when, to propose. When, uh, no, no. <laughs> when Alexis Devine um, ran off, JT Moore followed her. Mm-hmm. Um, because this was part of the thing I wanted to do. I wanted to start crafting. I wanted to craft a love story. I wanted to have it. I wanted to, you know something reminiscent of Kurt Angle and Stephanie, something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I the, the story I wanted to create would be JT Moore. Um, will begin to pine after Alexis because of the way I treated her. But mm-hmm. Alexis, you know, reaction like she'll come out with him. But you know, basically Alexis friend zones him and. JT puts his ass on the line to get out of the friend zone, but of course, in the in the grand scheme of things, he ends up getting destroyed more often than you know whatever. No shit. So the all nighter party fighter, right? Yeah. So he's the Dolph Ziggler. He gets the shit beat out of him. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. So in the midst of this proposal, 
three storylines are supposed to break off of this. One being JT and, and Alexis. Mm-hmm. The other being Joe Badami and Maria Madden. Mm-hmm. Now, Maria was in there. We brought her in. Uh, I, you know, I wanted her to, you know, to manage, uh, and is really she was still training to wrestle, and you know, I didn't have anybody for her to wrestle, honestly. So we brought her in to try to introduce her to the crowd, and I was, and as I was still trying to fight to build this women's division, I wanted her to be a part of it, and bring, you know, you know, whatever, what have you. Mm-hmm. But for the time being, while we were holding on to her, uh, you know, I wanted to tr- also craft this relationship thing between her and Joe Badami because you know Maria looks great she's in shape blah 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 Joe Badami looks great she's in shape blah 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 uh, the chemistry wasn't there it just didn't work out mm-hmm. um, you know it, it, it was uh, oh yeah and, and the way I, I started that was because uh, after you know I sent uh, Alexis Devine off uh, I brought out the chapstick and <laughs> Apollo brought out you know he had his chapstick and and this is when Apollo officially joined, jumped on the party time train. I start stalking down Maria. Joe Badami stops me, saves Maria, and that was supposed to get them. Now, Maria did come out with Joe a couple shows after that. Mm-hmm. But it just, like I said, it, it was, uh, I wasn't really able to focus on it because uh, Maria at the time lived really far away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Badami was also very busy at the time. So it was really hard to craft that story without the videos to back it up. Right. The video work to back it up. So, you know, it ended up kind of fizzling out a little bit. Um it was a good track. Yeah, and then the third storyline was myself and Apollo. Mm-hmm. Um, Brent Sugar was was to be relegated with uh, Joe Badami and stay face with him. So I mean, it, that whole thing just kind of broke off. Uh, of course, me and me and Apollo ended up staying together as Storm Cruise twenty sixteen. Uh, after I after I announced I was going to run for president, um, <laughs> so and then you know at the same time, all that was fucking going on. Um, Wes hadn't come back yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Wes was injured. Yeah, because I broke, broke his neck. neck. Yeah, Wes hadn't come back yet, so that was that was a story that was also kind of brewing uh, in the mist as well. So I mean, uh, and to double back even further, the story with uh, TJ at Summer Sizzler after TJ beat me. The reason why TJ beat me was because. Corey forced me to uh, say I quit. It was an I quit match. Corey Bush. Corey Bush. Mm-hmm. Uh, which started the feud between Corey Bush and TJ Sykes. Mm-hmm. And so we got we got five stories pretty much covered here at this point in 2015 where, you know, I'm trying to have the JT, Alexis Divine Love story, the Joe Badami, uh, Maria Manning partnership, uh, which she did. That's the other thing she did eventually turn on him. Mm-hmm. Um, the Corey Bush, TJ Sykes saga, the Storm Cruise, uh, Dark Horses saga. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot going on. We had a lot of storylines that we were trying to keep up with and, you know, just get, you know, just, just, we were trying to blow into 2016, you know, and just be good with it, uh, and come in strong, you know? So how did you feel after that first year when you're leading up to Rage in the Cage 2016, how did you feel as your first year as a booker? How were you confident? Were you having fun? Were you enjoying yourself? Were you getting kudos from the management? What, what was that? How was the locker room responding? That's a good question as well. From what, from my experience, of the locker room, the locker room was very happy. I could be wrong. I don't think I am, but they were very happy. I think I think that's a safe assumption. Yeah, because one of the biggest things that was. Was it was not only was there a fresh mindset and just fresh ideas and we were doing new things, um, 
I listened. Now, there were some people that pitched me ideas that I had to turn down because they didn't fit into the linear storylines because the majority of my storylines that are linear, they all go to one, one big purpose. Um, and at this, at this point in time, we were trying, we were, we were waving through TJ's uh, championship title reign. At this point, we were building him up, building him up, building him up, building him up because TJ expressed to me shortly after our feud was over, quote unquote, that he wanted to turn heel. And uh, it, so I was like, well, dude, I, I fucked your life up, <laughs> you know? And it was, I, I was like, I, I was like, I don't know how the fuck that's going to happen. You know, you're, you're our top baby face and you're our champion. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how that's going to work. So we, you know, devised a plan. Uh, and that's something we can get into later because that's, uh, Oh yeah. We're going to get into a, 2016. That's, that's a big, that's a big one. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. So you, you felt okay. You know, you, you had all these plans in motion. You had all these stories going, you're booking, you're also wrestling yeah. and one of the major storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're trying to run the show backstage Mm-hmm. You're trying to keep everybody on track before, during, after the show, while also trying to put on a show and do your own storytelling. So we lead into now 2016. You've got, from where 2015 started, where there was one storyline that you were trying to bank off of and create more, now we have three or four, and every match is telling a story, and every match is leading towards something. Yeah. There's not really, say, a throwaway match out there. There's always something that leads towards something else, whether it's a huge storyline, because every pro wrestling show has to tell a story. It's got to have peaks and valleys. You can't be, you know, 100% up here, at the, you know, for three hours, or it's going to be, you know, whatever. So we are going to uh, get into 2016, where you have all this going. Yeah. All right? Mm-hmm. And But we're going to take a short break right now so that we can use the restroom, so that we can... You know, give Big Ugly a chance to, uh, because you've been over there, you've been so quiet. I mean, you've been just listening to the, the behind the storm. Yeah, man, I feel like I'm actually one of the listeners. This is good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but we're we going to take a break, and we're going to come right back with the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. Well, why don't you take us into break, Brian? How am I going to do that? I don't know. All right. Um, why don't you do something creative? Uh, fuck! <laughs> How about that? Break time. on the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast bonus edition. My name is Dirty Mike. I'm the Big Ugly. And we are here with... You ain't gonna say... You gonna make me... Man, motherfucker. Anyway, Brian S. Gamble behind the storm. You get that? Do you like that? That's the way it worked the words. That's a good time. And I learned that shit from you. Like, to work with the words and create a story. That's what we're doing here. Story yeah. time. Also what we're doing. Story here. time. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is that is like party big, time? Yes. Big yeah. story time. Yeah, so. I mean, I'm just... Uh, one of the things, once again, I like to harp on the backstage stuff. Because there's a lot of stuff that you guys don't know. Honestly, there's a lot of stuff that some of the people in our roster don't know. Mikey D, there are so many takes of EWA ringside that I had to do over and over and over again with you. 
over yes. and over and over and over again. I mean, you guys eventually. I love working with you, obviously. But I mean, we used to we used to get down, man. We we would film ringside all the time. That's another thing that I believe is on your uh, list there, but mm-hmm. we haven't gotten to that point yet. But EWA ringside is is a uh, that that was something I really tried to make something else but I'll wait till we get to that point well I say you know we did a lot of takes for a lot of different things because you had a vision and you would give me bullet points of the vision and I would try it and you'd be like try it this way do this do that mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed getting direction um, sometimes I was a little hard to work with because I was just like well fuck it we're done you know it's been an hour let's go and we're only shooting a 30 second segment what do you want from me yeah but, it would take like an hour <laughs> well the thing was you know but there was a certain vision it wasn't just because I wasn't doing it right it was just because you had a vision like alright let's get this in there let's say it this way let's make sure we add this yeah or the lighting a, would be off or some asshole with a fucking loud engine would drive by and well, drive yeah, out. Stop. Yeah. and uh, we'd have a good take uh, and then somebody would be like fuck don't yeah. you find that common with like working with talent? You know when you're directing, it's calling like, me the talent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, because it's like, Shut it's up, like Ryan. people think like because the segment's going to be short that it's just going to take like a few minutes. Oh no 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 no, no no no! Let me tell you something. The little bit of time I spent on on House of Cards, which you know I, I've been on for three seasons straight now as a background Netflix uh, extra. Uh, yeah, you can see me. You can see me back there hanging out. Um, there's a scene, and I can talk about this now because it's, because of the, this season yeah, finally debuted. Yeah. But there's a scene. Which episode are you in? The very first one. The very first one. He's um, writing that shit down. F one. Netflix and chill. And there's a funeral scene. I sat in that church for 16 fucking hours. 16 hours. For one scene. For that one scene. Right. Which is less than two minutes. Two, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Less than two yeah. minutes. But people don't realize that. Yeah. They, they would have thought that, oh, they probably shot that like you oh, know, hell no. a half an uh, hour uh, and uh, it was over. No, and when it's they, like, no. They tell you when you get yeah. the when you get the go ahead that you're gonna be picked to, to, to be a part of that, they tell you they're like clear out your schedule. Like you're gonna be here. You know, be prepared for it. There's there's no I gonna be here for three hours. We'll, we'll be in no no. And that's usually how it is. I mean, like especially when, when we got this this past year towards the towards the end of my tenure when we, when I started filming what I like to call the cinematic promos. Mm-hmm. I mean, those would take hours mm-hmm. hours to film. Definitely. You know, and and even more hours to edit. But it's you know that's that's just how the process works, and a lot of people don't realize that. So, I mean, I, I understand it's hard to work with some people, but we had a good time doing that shit. Yeah, yeah of course we did. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Uh-huh. Because, obviously, like you said, you wouldn't be in my stank-ass mansion if we had, but, we <laughs> but you yeah. wouldn't be asking me to work with you just because, you know, if I wasn't doing it right and if I wasn't t- portraying your story and if I wasn't doing a good job, you would ask somebody else to do it. Yeah, of course. You know? So, I appreciated working with you. Mm-hmm. Um you know, well, why don't we get into it? That's kind of you know segueing into 2016. So EWA Ringside, for those of you who might not know, was uh, going to be sort of the uh, update show, the news show. You know, where you can see promos, where you can see bumpers, where you can hear music, where you can see the cards for the upcoming shows, or see the results from previous shows. We did couple of different uh, episodes, couple of different seasons. We tried to do. We put them up on YouTube, put them up on Facebook. Um, and we did we did a good job, I thought. I mean, we had a lot of views, and you had a lot of visions. It was done yeah. very I mean, it, well. It, but it was, all, it was all also trial and error, too. Yeah, you know? I mean. Um, 
you know, a lot of the longer episodes, they they weren't they didn't get that as many views as I would have liked, mostly no. because they were so long. They were, and long. no one no one's gonna no one's gonna you know sit on their phone. And that was something. Once again, I had to figure out the trial and error. But there's also the back part of of Ringside, that little backstage I keep talking about mm-hmm. uh, with Ringside. And um, Ringside was originally. Uh, a show that EWA had back in 2011, which was hosted by Ronald Clayton. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually one. I've only found one clip of it, but I know there's more where you know he's in front of a green screen. He's talking about the show that just happened, and you know Ronald did a really good job, and, and he's a good dude. Uh, you know, um, so it's it's you know that's where it started. So then when I took over, I wanted to make that one of my main focuses, and I basically wanted to make that. Our, I guess, our version of NXT, which mm-hmm. which showed off our students, so, which leads us also into talking about the EWA pain factor, yeah, which has been there for several years mm-hmm. and has its ups and downs and different trainers and things like that. But that was another vision that you had, right? By uh, not only being one of the trainers at the school, but also by recruiting people to the school, recruiting new trainers to the school, recruiting people, and this leads into 2016 as well, doing seminars that we were uh, going to have our students that come in, you know, they go to the seminars, listen to the professionals and, you know, kind of get that backing and move forward in their individual career, move forward with EWA Pro Wrestling. Why don't you get in? There's a lot of stuff I know you want to say about okay. that. Well, uh, it was first off with the EWA Pain Factory. It, it's, it has its ups and downs all the time. Um, you know, when I first came in, there were a lot of ups, there were a lot of people there. Eventually, it drifted off. Next thing you know, it was only me. And then more people joined, and then it drifted off again. And that's just how it goes with, with the Pain Factory. Um, now, is that wrestling schools in general? Or is that the Pain Factory? Like, is it because, you know, wrestling gains popularity and then it doesn't? Or is it more specific to... I think it's more specific to the Pain Factory. Okay. Because uh, I've seen some other wrestling schools and, uh, you know, around the... Not, not just in this state, but around the country. Mm-hmm. And they tend to have... There's, there's some that can keep a steady pace. Um but I, what I was hoping was by promoting the school, you know, through ringside. Like, basically, it was going to be a handshake between the Pain Factory and EWA ringside. Mm-hmm. By making EWA ringside basically our version of NXT, it would give these students the, the ability to wrestle more, to get used to working in front of a camera, how, how to work in front of a camera, uh, help them develop their characters. And then, you know, it's something that would help EWA because... Then with EWA ringside as their as the show, the YouTube show, whatever, then the people that are watching that can watch, can come out and see when their favorites debut eventually, you mm-hmm. know? And then that also led into uh, my vision was, of course, not only to have the EWA Women's Championship, mm-hmm. uh, but to also have the EWA ringside championship. Mm-hmm. Which would basically would have been like you know our NXT Heavyweight Championship, um, which would have only been uh, defended on our uh, free practice sessions. That was another thing EWA is a, uh, big with the free practice sessions. Um, uh, uh, management did not like doing those often because uh, you know you had to have the lights on and electricity cost money, but everyone's sitting there getting in for free. To me. I thought that was a good way to get more fans, but they didn't like doing it. But I mean, either way, I was able to do one every month for the mm-hmm. most part. Uh, every other every month. Every other month. Every if other there month. wasn't a show at Tall Cedars Hall, yeah. we were having a free practice session. Yeah, so I was able to do that every other month, and it really helped out um, You know, a lot of people we had. Uh, the, the ones who did, you know, make it through, 
the gun show made it through. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about the ones that finished the school, the gun show, mm-hmm. uh, Steve Driver, mm-hmm. uh, who actually came out and helped me out, uh, helped me and Apollo win the tag titles at uh, the Inside Out Cage match. I enjoyed it. We're, we're going we're gonna to get we're Yeah, we're going to get to that. Because um, that's a funny story. Um, uh, Violet, she was a big one. Now, uh, she actually debuted in 2015, and she's actually one of the ones I'm probably most one of the most proud of because she's she, um, you know, she came in and she was the only woman there. Yep. And it was tough because she wanted to, she wanted to wrestle, but she ended up managing and she ended up you know teaming up with hashtag Pat Anthony. But her debut when she murdered our head referee Corey, the forearm uh, hurt yeah, around the world. Yeah. And and her 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 just her entry her you know entry into the world in front of that crowd uh, at Evolution 2K15 was was uh, was was pretty impressive. I mean, I was very proud of her for that. And you know, there's also Tony Macko mm-hmm. uh, who also made it through. But I mean, you know, these were these were people that I really depended on, and I really wanted to get uh, put them on the main stage. And you know, but I wanted to do it in a way that would bring in more people to the school and bring in more views to YouTube, bring in more people to the main shows and just build an all around fan base. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, it just didn't turn out that way. There's a vision for independent wrestling where it, you can show up and who shows up, you know, you just make a card and you move and you do it. And that's independent wrestling. A lot of independent wrestling is based upon that night, that show, you know, if you have titles, that's fine if you have some stories that's fine but you had this grand vision to take this further than you know any you know indie wrestling that i know of around other than you know one or two that i might you know know of and you know of as well you know you wanted to take this bigger and better and higher you wanted to compete you wanted to be on that big level you wanted the school to succeed you wanted the the videos to lead into a a television show you wanted to actual be on we were looking at television stations we were looking at time slots we were looking at things to actually have a half hour or hour show we were shooting pilots at the free practice sessions yeah you know we were actually shooting it as a television show i didn't know any of this (laughs) yeah backstage what happened backstage stuff um I say stuff. We shot two EWA ringside pal, uh, pilots. Um, we shot them as we, we filmed. Uh, we filmed two episodes on on the free practice sessions, mm-hmm. uh, and we were going to use those for our pilots uh, and to to pitch to local television stations. Uh, so yeah, there was we were really gunning for it like big time, but um, we just didn't have the backing that it would have taken to do it financial financially yeah it's, um, it's all about the money yeah, it's all about the it's all about the management and it just wasn't there they, they there was no interest there in the management and again uh, it's not to do it saying good or bad it's just that's what their vision is it was a fact it was a fact it was a fact you 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 wanted to go in one direction and other people wanted to go in another but unfortunately since you were as far as the pecking order, you may have been at the top of the creative, but you didn't. You know, it wasn't. Your I was for lack of your, for, for lack of better term, I was I was number two there. I, I wasn't the only booker there, and maybe I should have shouldn't have waited to an hour after the show started to say that. But I, even though I was the head booker, well, you I wasn't said you the had only other one. people. Yeah, I mean, it was it was like it that. was a group. That was the one thing. It was a, it was a group effort, but people knew that the way that I worked is that with this linear storytelling everything to me had to make sense. Mm-hmm. So I had to, you know, keep everything in line. 
and that was the way I did it. But yeah, back to the ringside thing. That was that was one of the biggest reasons why I wanted the EWA ringside championship, just simply because of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and that would have been cool. You know, and it was there. It was in the birthing stages, and you almost saw that, uh, too, because we even said that on our main shows, like, you know, straight off the EWA ringside roster. Here we go in the Sweet 16 tournament. Yeah, yeah. actually, the website for a little bit had an EWA ringside roster page, mm-hmm. which was uh, mostly students and a couple of local indie talent that um, may, may not have come through the school, but I, you know, went to bring them out. As a matter of fact, backstage stuff, Ty Awesome would have been the first EWA ringside champion. Yes, Ty Awesome, I was going to put you over for the EWA ringside side championship i enjoyed ty awesome yeah he's good he was he's a good kid and i was gonna i was basically uh what my plan was for that was i was gonna have ty awesome and uh and uh mason walls uh feud over that championship Mm -hmm. um that was that was gonna be the start um i know he was in the tag teams the gun show but my plan was to keep the gun show as a tag team on the main roster Mm -hmm. and as singles competitors so they can get more ring time on the ringside roster right so yeah. yeah Yeah, but yeah, Ty Awesome and Mason Walls. Sorry, I tried, guys. <laughs> That's all right. We, we and you, like I said, you had grand visions for a lot of people. And no matter where where you are on that card, you know, you had visions for people. And it took time. It wasn't just a one shot. Hey, man, put me over. It was let's build something. Let's yeah. give you a reason to put you over as a face, as a heel, as a tag team, as a cruiserweight, as a heavyweight, whatever. Yeah. You know, there were there were plans there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Big Ugly, you saw most of 2016. At EWA, a good portion. I came in about summertime. Okay, so it wasn't the beginning yet. I came. Yeah. I think my first one was like in July. I think the first one. Well, maybe May. Might have been summer. Might have been May. Might have been, been Memorial, May Memorial Mayhem. Okay. I came up with that name. But Memorial Mayhem. No, that does not sound familiar. Okay. What about what Summer it? Sizzler? No. Yeah. Was it Summer Sizzler? I think it was Summer Sizzler. Okay. Well, who was on the card? A lot of people. Desert Storm was on the card. That's true. Okay. <laughs> Apollo Crews was on the card. Uh, what? What? Uh, fu- uh, God damn! I want to call him Logan. Loge. No way. It's fucking Jason Drake. Thank you. Jason Pardon Drake. my language. Yep. I want to just call him Loge. Yeah, that's, no, that's what he is. He's Loge. Loge. But yeah, it might have been the summer. But you came in roughly then. But, yes. But in the beginning, in 2016, let's talk about one of the greatest cage shows. One of the greatest pro wrestling shows, indie or otherwise, that has ever taken place. 650 people. Let's talk about the um, you know the biggest match as we build it in EWA pro wrestling history for the heavyweight championship. Yeah. Now, and I had to double back for this a little. Oh, bit. double back. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. It's no, no big. So this goes back into the way my booking method was. Whether you agree with it or not, it's just the way I did it, and you know that's how we did it. Um, can't change the past. So the way I did it was when some when I knew somebody was going to be winning a championship. I already had the person he was going to lose it to. Okay. That was already a, a given. For the most part. Sometimes things change because, you know, sometimes people get, you know, get whatever. So um, when it came to that, uh, with setting up the biggest match in EWA history, mm-hmm. I had to make it so that TJ was gaining so much steam that when it came to that unstoppable force versus the immovable object moment with mm-hmm. Corey Bush, you know, that had to start early. So even though I did not really mess with the Bill Ward thing, it was a suggestion of of the management that Bill Ward become Maryland champion mm-hmm. again. So he won the Spring Fling Battle Royal. For those who don't remember that, the Spring Fling Battle Royal. It was <laughs> that was Anarchy in April, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, and he got the shot at the Maryland Championship, and he beat Apollo. 
um, after he came back, I believe it was a, yeah, it was an evolution when he beat Apollo. Yep. And then Corey Bush came out at last rights, challenged him for the championship, and beat him. Then so yeah, I remember Corey Bush interfered in the TJ thing with me and him. Mm-hmm. So TJ still had bad blood because Corey Bush took away from TJ what TJ had wanted for the last year at that point, which mm-hmm. was to beat me hands down, which is going to play into later. Mm-hmm. So now we have a situation where Corey Bush is the Maryland champion. TJ Sykes is the heavyweight champion. And if I'm not mistaken, that year, in Evolution, before Last Rites, did... Uh, 15 or 16? 15. Okay. Do you remember who won the contracts that year? It was, um, it was Pat. Pat won the Hashtag Pat, Pat, Pat Anthony. Pat won the contract. Yep. And, and the cruiserweight title was up there, I think. Not no, the heavyweight title, or sure? was it? No, 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 no. It wasn't the heavyweight title, no. Something else I was believe there were two contracts. contracts. I think it was two contracts. Was that the one where... Pat won one. And then there was the fight between Wes and Badami. Was that correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay, now I remember. That because I ended up refereeing Wes, because the referee got knocked out. Wes and Badami ripped the contract in half. Right. Which, so led into the, which led into the casket match. Yep. So Wes and Badami, see, story stuff. See? Wes and Badami wrestled to, to basically own that second contract. Um, but Pat won the other one outright after Violet, as a referee, pushed Joe Badami off the ladder. Right. Anyway, moving forward. So at this point, Corey's like, you know what? You got no excuse now. You don't have a number one contender. You all want it to be me. TJ's like, oh, we're going to do it, blah, blah, blah. And then we boom. Biggest match in EWA history, the Maryland for the first time ever. Title for title, Maryland champion versus the heavyweight champion in the cage for the main event. Mm-hmm. Had a really good turnout for that one. Um, Fantastic. Turnout. Yeah. So we had that match. We were sponsored by Retro Fitness. That was another thing I was working on a lot backstage with was, was sponsorship stuff. Yeah. Um, we had so, a lot of sponsors. Yeah, oh, shit. No, for that one, we had, for that one, we had like five sponsors. We had we GNC. Sure mm-hmm. uh, we had Retro Fitness. We had God, uh, uh, Baltimore Post Examiner. We mm-hmm. were, they were still with us. We, were, we need to write that down because we need to get into the Post Examiner. Okay. Um, Did we have Sprint at some point? Or yeah, we had Sprint. Yeah, we had Sprint. Uh, they were they weren't sponsoring us, but they set up a they they promoted us a little. We did a cross promotion with uh, one of the Sprint stores, so they did that. And raising occasions getting pushed hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had. So that. you were setting up all this. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I, I had yeah. help, but I mean, it was you know this was the deal. So I mean, well, uh, fuck. I walked in the GNC. <laughs> fuck that shit. So anyway, um, so you know we had. We had the title for title match. Then we had the storyline with me and Apollo, where at last rights we beat. <laughs> I think you're gonna love this one, uh, Big Ugly, because I think you missed. I'm pretty sure you missed it. I was hiding. It, it was the Halloween show, Last Rights. Ah. Uh, I was hiding in the crowd uh, with the screen mask. Now, yeah, this was this was a little bit of my foreboding. If you recall, the hair sniffing incident. <laughs> How that happened was I had TJ and Alexis basically start at the back and separate and walk around slapping the crowd's hands. That's when I grabbed Alexis, sniffed the hair. This time, I had the dark horses do it. They walked around, they slapped the hands. <laughs> Grizzly O takes the Snapchat video. Um, I'm in the scream, the scream mask outfit, the whole thing, the whole fucking thing. Hiding. I was hiding in the crowd the whole time. I was actually in the crowd for two matches. Uh, people were fucking with me. They didn't know it was me, though. Um, 
And I go over there, and and Grizzly O comes around, takes the picture of me. I take the mask off because I had I had him hand me the yeah. title so I could take a picture with him. He hands me the title. I take the mask off. He goes, "What?" I go, "Ha!" Hit him in the head with a belt. The video is somewhere. I'll show it to you before we leave tonight. Uh, hit him in the head with a belt. Still the title. So now you have a situation where you have a title for title. One team has one belt. Other team has the other belt. So here we go into the story for, of how I came out with the Inside Out Cage match. Mm-hmm. I'm at Angel's Rock Bar, who was another one of our sponsors. Yes. In fact, they had the after party for Rage in the Cage after the show was over. Um, I'm fin guy. Yeah. So, so I was at Angel's Rock Bar one night, and I was just like trying to figure out what the fuck was I going to do with the Dark Horses. Not like what was I going to do with them, but how were we going to keep this feud going mm-hmm. between Storm Cruise 2016 and the Dark Horses? I was drunk off my ass. Um Dancing, that's, that's I was dancing shoot. and shit. Yeah, that's a shoot. Well, I wasn't drunk on my ass. I was obviously walking, but I remember walking to the to the bar, and I don't know why. And I was just like, "What if? What <laughs> if it was a? What, how do you make a tag team title match, a false count anywhere match when there's a cage involved? Like, how the fuck do you do that?" <laughs> And I was like, you know, like I'm, I'm literally talking to myself, holding my, holding my cheap ass natty bow. It's like my eighth one of the night. I'm like, how the fuck do you do that? So I was like, okay, the inside out cage match. The name came later, but the inside out cage match. I was like, okay, basically you have the teams fight to meet up with each other, and you make the tag because big ugly tag team cage matches suck. Because it just turns into a fucking four-way fucking slobber knocker bullshit, yeah. you know? I mean, we, yeah, we just watched that we with the Hardys and uh, Cesaro and Sheamus. Yeah, and it was like very lackluster. Yeah, yeah. it was. And it was, a, yeah. it was an escape-only cage match, yeah. and it was old-school rules, but they did, I mean, they did okay, but they didn't tear And those guys are professionals. Right? Those, those, I mean, like, super professional. Like, they're the WWE level. Yeah. We're down here. We think it's going to look like when me and Apollo in the cage with the dark horses going like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know? So I had to figure out a way to separate that. I didn't want to do that. Like... I did not want to fucking do that. So that was how the inside out cage match was born. I was drunk off my ass in Angel's Rock Bar, walking around by myself, looking at white women. I, that's a shoot. All of that is, and a that shoot. was that was walking out of the bathroom. I was walking out of the bathroom. I just was touching my penis after peeing. Wow. And there it is. Um, <laughs> so the inside out cage match. Uh, you know, for those of you who might not know, uh, Brian, you explained it a little bit. But uh, two competitors start in the cage. Two competitors start outside the cage. So one of the horses, one of Storm Cruise, and then the other horse and the other Storm Cruise. Yeah. Now it was it was uh, Tomahawk and Apollo Cruise inside the cage. That's right. And outside the cage, because I'm some sort of masochist, I was out there with Grizzly O. And you guys tore each other apart. Uh, all it was around more the like building. he beat my motherfucking ass. All right. Well, I was trying to put you over. Yeah. No, well, you don't. You, you can't get thrown off the stage and get put over. No, well, he threw me off the stage. The he stage. threw me off the stage. Yeah, right. yeah. Basically, big ugly. You've been in tall seaters, so yeah. the fight. Our part of the fight started in the back of the arena. Right. We made his way all the way past the concession stands, all the way past the ticket booth. We went up on the stage where the screen is. Yeah. He threw me off the stage. We went out through the entryway, and that's where Steve Driver, who was security, because he had been security up to that point all the way. Clothesline. Uh, I believe we closed like Grizzly L. Yep. Um, and he, I was dead. I was dead in the water. He picks me up, takes off his security shirt. He has on the Storm Cruise two, uh, 2016 shirt on under it. And <laughs> he brings it together, me and Apollo. We make the tag. We're new tag champions. And, we, and oh, yeah, by the way, he also locked Tomahawk inside the cage. Right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Backstage stuff. 
Backstage stuff. I almost decapitated head referee uh, uh, Corey uh, Corey Berger's thumb because I was slamming the cage door shut and it was his hand got caught in there. Ah, oh, felt so bad. Ooh. I remember that the I first felt, time I refereed the cage. So I got yeah. I wasn't for, too familiar with our cage, even though the EWA cage is pretty cool. Uh, it's pretty strong. It's pretty big. Yeah. Um, but the door, it's it's like halfway on the ring and halfway on the floor. So you got to be careful with that damn door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty. It's um, pretty it's but pretty the way bad. it's built, I mean, I understand. Because it's anchored to the floor and it's very safe and you yeah, know yeah, it good. is it is but so, um, but yeah so that's how that was that's how that happened so we had a real good turnout you know we had uh, we had some things happening after 2016 Rage in a Cage um, why don't we just mention this since you just mentioned it so you trying to get a lot of sponsorship we trying to get a lot of words out there a lot of videos out there a lot of play out there one of them just happened to be the Baltimore Post Examiner. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was uh, pretty much an internet, you know, news source where, you know, we would have uh, a representative from Baltimore Post Examiner come out. He would, you know, write up about the EWA. He would post the results and he would also post beforehand, you know, he would put our shows over. Then there was a point where that stopped. How much do you want to talk about that? Whew. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tread lightly over this one. Um, you mentioned names, but we're not. Because, like I said, this, is, this is not me. This is not a bashing this podcast. This is not a bashing podcast. So I'm going to tread very lightly here. Um, good friend Tony Hayes. He was the one that uh, that started doing it. Uh, he he brought Stacy. You remember Stacy? Yep. She was a photographer. Photographer. One of the photographers. Um, she's a redheaded rocker-looking chick. Photographer. Hi, Stacy. Because I know you're listening. Yeah, Stacy. She does um, listen to the Very Young Wrestling podcast. She better. She does. Um, so, so does Wrestling in Maryland <laughs> Big League Photography, by the way, which we've had since the beginning. But mm-hmm. go ahead. So um, Tony was coming out first. He would bring Stacy, so then he uh, delegated his his responsibilities to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he he did it for a while. He's also in a, a few of the videos, doing interviews and stuff. Right. Um, but what what happened after? All right, because we because we're kind of blurring into something else that we're about to go into. Basically, one of our storylines was so crazy. I think I know this storyline. Oh yeah, that the Baltimore Post Examiner. It wasn't be and and I was told it wasn't because of the viciousness of the storyline. Even though I mean it, it could be. I I I was told it wasn't. I'm not gonna say it was. I'm not gonna say what my opinion is. All I'm saying is, if it was because of how vicious the storyline was, I can understand it. And I'm not mad at the Baltimore Post Examiner. In fact, they were great. They did a lot of work for us. They freaking published our results. They it was, did. It was a, you know, it was an online repeatable newspaper that published our results. You know, so thank you, thank you to the Baltimore Post Examiner. Uh, but our story was a little too risque, and because it blurred the lines of reality so much, because we we went too close to that line, um, that they decided that they were going to pull out. And it was and it was fine. Like I said, I wasn't I wasn't mad about it. I I honestly, when I when I crafted the storyline originally a year earlier, I knew it was going to happen. But people listening are like, we just tell us what the fucking storyline is. Well, we've been talking about that storyline probably for the past year on EWA Pro Wrestling, part of this podcast. So yeah, we're gonna get into it. So Baltimore Post Examiner. This here near there. Let's talk about 2016. Let's talk about your grand vision of nearly two years of building. I would say about World War Z. Well, we'll get there. But let's talk about the beginning. Let's talk about Faith No More Two. Oh yeah. Let's talk about the birth (laughs) of the probably one of the most 
risque and probably one probably of the most one of the craziest, stupidest things I've ever done in my entire life. Well, you know, <laughs> it, it turned out that this storyline with this family of supremacy, it turned out that it was one of the. I don't know. It was something that everybody could get behind, whether it was anti-heroes, heels, faces. You know, there were T-shirts made by fans, and they ended up getting over and becoming merchandise for EWA. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and and we're going we're gonna to talk about this in general, but this is your vision. This is a vision of people in EWA coming together for a certain purpose, even though other people thought it was racially... Yeah, it was something. It was something had nothing to do with race. It had, nothing to do with it race had absolutely whatsoever. nothing to do with race um, because you had people of different races coming into this storyline at a lot of different times, I, different races, colors, creeds. Yeah, now I will. I will. No, you're fine. I will say before uh, TJ picks up his phone and starts messaging me while he's listening to this. <laughs> um, supremacy was not my idea. The idea of supremacy was not me. Not, supremacy okay. is officially. The brainchild of Jones, the horses, and, and TJ, and maybe some other people. I don't know. They wanted to bring it to EWA. Okay. But I, and this goes back to what I was talking about with TJ wanting to turn heel. Mm-hmm. It, but it had to be done right. And I knew because of the fact that of how strong we built him as a babyface. You know, he beat the Giant. He beat Corey Bush in the cage. He became the Maryland champion. He became the, the you know, the dual heavyweight. He was the face of the Maryland company. Champion. He was the you know. Yeah, so how do you turn that heel big? How you do it? I don't know, man. I'm a booker. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do, well, you do a couple a, of things. I'll say this. I'll say this. As a fan, Big Ugly, how do you see the the ultimate good guy hero, your Superman, your Captain America, how do you, how, how do you make him just turn into like probably a bad guy and have people not support him? Well... Huh? Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, have him super kick somebody. <laughs> and that somebody that just happened to be okay, Gracie so, Hawkins, who Gracie is in a wheelchair. This yeah. is well documented. So, but that's, this is the beginning. So this is what I remember. So TJ was dual champion. Yes. He was the Maryland champion. He was the heavyweight champion. EWA management, this is the story, basically told him, you can't hold and defend both championships at the same time. Correct. So basically, you're going to have to give one of them up. Yeah. So if you have the heavyweight championship and the Maryland championship, which one are you going to give up? You're giving up the Maryland. Right. So this was apparently in, in TJ's story, in TJ's mind, you know, this was part of an ongo- ongoing saga that was basically driving him over the edge. Yeah. Now, I don't know how much of this was yours, how much of this was his, how much of this was theirs, but this was all... Well, well, slow build. Well, that was the idea. It was it was supposed to be slowly, you know, the the descent was was very very slow. It's kind of like how slow mine was. Uh, it started with me losing matches, right? You know, then I would get like mad, and then I wouldn't be able to talk on the mic, and I would just be standing there like with my hand, arms folded, just like standing there, and slowly, slowly, slowly. Next thing you know, boom, I'm popping out of the casket, beating up an old man. <laughs> so it's so. His slow build was it started with the Maryland, you know, the Maryland championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, I mean, honestly, you can go back to the point where he was in jail. EWA didn't didn't bail him out. No. You know? um, it was it was Drew Reynolds that bailed out. And we kind of glanced over that, too. I mean, he yeah. got dragged out of that building. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, that yeah, shit. yeah. He got dragged I out. I mean, there's this. In handcuffs. I said his real name, by the way. Backstage stuff. TJ didn't know that I was going to have the guy say his real name, and I told him that uh, <laughs> over the, I, you know, <laughs> it was a, 
a friend of mine, Brian Harley, he was the uh, he was your officer uh, in the arrest, and mm-hmm. I told him TJ's real name, and uh, uh, which, by the way, I got from uh, I got from Sharina, his girlfriend, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, and TJ didn't realize, oh man, he had it, he had a fit, he had a fit. But anyway, moving. Talk on. about blurring the lines of reality, shit. Yeah, well, that I mean, was that was one of the reasons. Why, that was one of the reasons why I did it mm-hmm. because I wanted the people to know that. If there's people out there that know what his real name is but don't really know him mm-hmm. and they hear that, they go, oh. Or they go, Tim Jones, oh, my God. That's, I thought his name was TJ. T. Oh, my God, they're really taking him there. I mean, we wheeled his ass out there. Like, we, we dragged him out. You know, Kicking and screaming and all the way out of the building. Yeah, so, so. it's like, you know. Um, so, so that was sort of the genesis of his... You know his story, his character going towards the dark side. That where the Maryland championship got taken away from him, basically, yeah. almost was what put him over the edge. There was a couple of things that happened in between there and Faith No More Two. But go ahead right. when you get into and, this. Let's talk and, about and and, and and that once again, you know, it's intersecting storylines. It also began the rise of Pat Anthony. Mm-hmm. Um, Pat had had just lost the uh, a match to to TJ right before he wrestled Corey mm-hmm. uh, Corey Bush. And, you know, Pat had just gained Violet as his manager. Um, backstage stuff, originally, Violet was going to manage Corey Bush. And that's on my notes, too. Why don't we yes. talk about that? Yes. The original idea when Violet debuted was I was going to have her, not necessarily like a dominatrix type thing, but, I mean, Corey was coming out. He had the, the big leather jacket. You know, and I wanted, you know, I wanted to, and Violet, Violet's tough, you know. Mm-hmm. And I wanted Violet to come out. You know, tough as nails, you know, chick that will, you know, fuck your shit up. I mean, she's like a little crazy, crazy on that. My time. I mean, she ended up kind of like that anyway, but just in a different way. But um, what happened was when the idea, when, when I knew Violet was ready to become the Violet that you know now, um, Corey had a show outside of the state. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those people where, you know, even though you're outside of the state, it doesn't matter. You know, that's just possible on Facebook. And I find out that um, TJ's girlfriend, Sharina, who's, who's also, who also was a student at the Pain Factory, mm-hmm. uh, who's done some managing on her own, mm-hmm. she ended up managing Corey. And I was like, well, shit, I can't do that. This was like this was like not too long before the show. And I was like, I can't do that. And some people will disagree with that. But I was like, no, I don't want to run the show like that. So I was like, all right, now I have to figure out where the hell I was going to do that. So I talked to Pat, and I was like, Pat, how do you feel about doing this? Now Pat's, Pat can Pat can talk, you know. Mm-hmm. Pat didn't need a manager, right? But the team of hashtag Pat Anthony and his social media ambassador Violet mm-hmm. worked so well, and, oh, and, and, I was, and I'm glad it worked out the way it did. Everything happens for a reason, right? That, and that's that's true. That, that, everything happens for a reason. That and, shit works. Yeah, so. and it worked for the gimmick. It worked for the character. It worked for the the media exposure. It worked. Yeah. And they had great chemistry together. Mm-hmm. And and that was why, you know, they, they, they stuck together. But anyway, going back to Faith No More too. So while Pat was on his rise and he was manipulating the shit out of people and running over people, um, TJ was on his way down. Mm-hmm. And they had a few meetings, like after TJ, uh, after the, the show before Faith No More 2, um, Pat had approached TJ you know, and and basically it was just, you know, just berating him and telling him, like, look, you need to watch out for Joe Badami because Joe Badami is coming for you. He's mm-hmm. going to take that title from you. You need to watch him, you know. And that was how we planned it because we wanted Pat to get into 
TJ's head and make him second guess what he was doing because now if I'm not mistaken, I, did TJ lose... TJ lost his first for the first time by pinfall at the free practice session on ringside, right. right? Absolutely. So correct. that was what started. That was really what kind of pushed it. And, and Pat was like, "Hey, man, look, you gotta, you know, you're it's coming. You know, Joe Badami's coming. Watch your ass." And that was what made TJ, you know, go like, "He's gonna, you know, like I need to do something different." And he was about to lose the championship to Joe Badami. So he had to, you know, basically cheat. Now, throughout that show, I had Mr. Jones <laughs> pissing everybody off. I don't know. Were you there for that? I was there. That's when he kept coming out for everybody's match. Yeah, so like, that's where right, your first show was. That was my first shirt. It was fake so number two. So, so, the reason why, so the reason why I had Jones do that was because I wanted the people to be so pissed off at him that when he came out that it was going to look like TJ was going to be like, bro, you're not fucking this up for me. You know, and Joe to do the same thing. Because, I mean, get two, you, you had your two top baby faces in the ring, mm-hmm. Joe Badami and TJ Sykes. And this pissant, Mr. Jones is fucking running around and just fucking everybody's matches up. Legit everybody. Legit everybody's yeah. matches up. Yeah. You know, it was maybe like two or three matches he didn't touch. But it was just like, you know, like, God damn, like, get out. Wasn't much. He was out there all night So long. then, you know, it came out and TJ was about to lose. And that's, that's who it was. Uh, Badami pinned him, right? That was yep. how, that's right. Badami pinned him at the free practice session. And right. that's how he earned the title shot. So you, you got that. And this, you know, Jones, uh, <laughs> you know, TJ super kicked fucking, uh, Dobudami after you know I think it was after a belt shot was that what it was or? yeah yeah and um, so and the su- yeah the super kick on Dobudami uh, was sort of just the beginning yeah and of see the thing chaos. was and if you remember the crowd reaction you were out in the crowd I was on stage watching him I was in my, right at there the, in the Robin's nest while I was perched and if you remember like the crowd did exactly what I thought they would do, which is why what happened next had to happen because they weren't sure what to do. They were confused. They weren't sure what to right. do. And they were like, they, and, they, and some, and the kids were still fucking cheering for them. Yep. So I was like, okay, all right, well, it's just about to get real in a second. <laughs> so, you know, so Jones and TJ continue to beat down Joe Badami. Uh, JT came out because JT and Joe Badami were in the DOD together. They're still cool friends. JT got fucked up. As JT uh, always as does. As JT always does. Um, and uh, I gotta give it so, to him too. He, he, he we're, we're gonna touch. Man. We're gonna touch on JT. In we a better second. because we're, we're gonna touch on JT in a second. Pardon my language because his shit, his shit was he was getting fucked up. So he got fucked up, and then you know then the all ball the oddball army comes out. That's blood. Uh, John Berg, Racy Hawkins in the wheelchair. Bump. Bump gets fucking fucked up. Um, <laughs> Berg and Blood. They're they're gone. Backstage stuff, Corey Berger, the head referee, was very smart and got the fuck out of there. Uh, he said, I'm not doing this shit. Good, because he would have Because he fucked Vinny Versace up, too. Mm-hmm. Which, more storyline stuff, comes in a second. And they fucked there up was, one There of was the, a reason for that. They fucked up one of the security guards, too. Who well, was, and that's because he was an idiot. Well. <laughs> but, so then, um, it got to the point where everyone had, ex- you know, we exhausted all of our faces, except for a few, which I saved for the end. And, uh, you know, uh, it was just Ray. Ray was the last one, so we got the uh, we got him in the wheelchair, and you know the rest is history. He Put him in the su- ring. He took that super kick, and is now. For those who don't know about Ray, Ray was a guy who signed up to the school about a year and a half earlier, mm-hmm. and this is why this storyline had. It was almost like a godsend when 
I knew how I had to turn TJ heel. So we prepared and we planned and every single move to that point was leading to Faith No More 2. Everything we did led to Faith No More 2 because that was our jump off. So it was, you know, the super kick happened and, you know, I mean, we, we practiced it, we trained it. Uh, we, 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 we got them ready for it and it worked it worked out fine and it looked so real that I got a lot of angry fucking phone calls yeah it did I got real. a lot I got that a lot of real. well I mean he definitely connected you yeah. know mm-hmm. it, it was just you know Ray God bless his heart you know for, for you know the fact that, he, that he's disabled that means you know nothing um, he's he is one of the guys who had the biggest heart in EWA, mm-hmm. and uh, even now to this day, I'm watching what he's doing, and you know I still see him see what he's doing. I mean, he's putting in the work, and it's not a bashing show, so I'll leave it at that. He's putting in that work. That's all I'm saying. But yeah, yeah that's, okay. what, that's what Faith No More Two was, and that was, you know, the birth of the supremacy. Sto- I would say the story and major storyline. Yeah. So we led on 2016. We oh, wait, continued. let me stop you real quick. Let me stop you real okay. quick. Okay. Because of the birth of supremacy storyline, the major part of that also was that it, it was, this was something I'm particularly proud of, it was an entire Fed double turn. Everybody in the Fed turned that night. Pretty much. For the most part. Yeah. Some of the faces stayed faces, the ones that went out there earlier. Right. But everyone involved. Uh, Jason Drake and Rizzo, they were heels. I was heel. Yeah. Apollo was heel. Yeah. But when that happened, the dark horses were faces. Uh, the and we sc- and that was the other thing. Storm Cruise 2016 screwed the dark horses out of a tag team title match that night, mm-hmm. which pushed them over the edge to join. Right. Yep. So, so you had the the the, tar- the turn with the horses and, and they were your top face tag team. Except for Wes, he was like the only one. That- well, and, and, and we're gonna get to that. Cause there was a reason for that. There was a reason for that. Uh, which we, which is going to bring us into 2017 once we get to that point, um, but you know you can go ahead. So well documented over 2016. Hashtag Pat Anthony and Viola joined Supremacy. Um, let's let's lead up to let's go through the summer and let's lead everything up to Evolution World War Z because War you know Z. we're going to talk about that. Yes. Um, the implementation of CZW. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of their guys, a lot of their stories, and bringing them in to, uh, you know, and, and this was actually started, I believe, at the end of Summer Sizzler. It was building towards Evolution. Is that correct? Uh, not at the end of Summer Sizzler. It was just before. Um, because, it, it, you know, it, and this is one of the things I think, uh, and a lot of people don't know this, backstage stuff. Backstage stuff. I, from one of my goals, like I said, you know, they were goals to get on TV, to get EWA ringside over, to get this happening, this happening. One of my most major goals was to get a cross-promotional show to happen in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say who I wanted the promotion to cross with with EWA, but it turned out that it happened with CZW. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked very hard for that. There's two years. Like, you guys have no idea how hard I worked for that. Um, and, you know, it finally happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Was it hard know, because management kind of a little yes, weary of it? Yes, yes, but yes. It all goes back to that. Yeah. It was, it was uh, management was leery about it, and I had to, you know, smooth some things out, smooth some rough edges out, get, you know, a lot of the finances worked out. Um, and get the right talent in, and I thought we put on an amazing show that night. I agree. I thought, I thought it was good. 
Yeah, I agree. It was amazing. And yeah. I, there was a lot of interpromotional things, CZW versus EWA, or, you know, and of course, the big six-man tag that we had. The Hall of Legends. And the Hall of Legends, the very first Hall of Legends, which also I thought was very good. Yeah, that was something else I worked really hard for uh, and pushed on management initially. Uh, didn't want to do it initially. Um and, you know, I had to smooth that part out, too, because Evolution, since I've been a part of VWA, had always been considered, like, the WrestleMania. Right. You know, or Royal Rumble, you know, whatever. It, but it's always it had always been a, a starting point for new storylines and everything to go. And the cage would always finish them, mm-hmm. finish any of the old ones. So it's like, you know, I, I wanted to create that WrestleMania feel for, for Evolution and get, you know, get the whole thing. So, you know, we did the Hall of Legends. We did the, you know, the, you know, bringing back, you know, f- former face, uh, like, you know, old faces that used to be in EWA. Because, you know, DJ Hyde, former EWA mm-hmm. uh, heavyweight champion. Yep. Uh, Darren Frazier, former cruiserweight champion. Um, you know, and it, it was just, uh, you know, it was just good stuff. I mean, for hell, we even had an NWA championship match on that show. We sure did. But uh, it was, you know, it was. I, I was very happy with the way the show turned out. I was too. I think the fans were. I think it was. It was very entertaining, and that's the show where hashtag Pat Anthony finally, for the first time, for the first won time, won the EWA Heavyweight Championship. Yep. And uh, you know there was an Evolution contract that Joey Badami got that night. Yep. And uh, that led into a whole bunch of new stories or yeah. updated now, stories. Go on. Now some people might be confused because uh, we never went back over this. When okay. Wes and Badami split the 2015 Evolution contract, right. Wes won that casket match and right. cashed in his ty- cashed in uh, his contract to win the Cruiserweight Championship, which he's still holding to this day. That's right. For the fourth time, and he's still got it. Mm-hmm. So, right, nobody expected him to cash in on the Cruiserweight Championship yeah. after a four-way Cruiserweight match in the cage. Yeah, he, won was, that, he won that in January 2016. He's held it almost a year and a half now. Yep. That's right. Is that the longest reigning? Uh, in EWA, I, I don't know. I think Drew Gulak might still have that. He's got the longest. I, I think he still has that right now. Yep, so. but, I mean, Wes is coming close. Yeah. That's about two years, and Drew Gulak is now in WWE, by the way. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Adam Cole that is would be the same. Honor, by the way. Yeah, that would be the same Drew Gulak. That would be the same. A lot of people have come through those doors, but, you yeah. know. Anyway, that's another story. So, okay, we got Evolution. You're still a Booker man. You know, we're not going to, you know, we're yeah. still talking about this. You're still competing. But uh, you're still the Booker man. Mm-hmm. Storm Cruise 2016, the uh, the campaign's going strong. Yeah. Uh, trying to beat up Trump. I understand. <laughs> yeah. uh, didn't quite happen because I had some controversy at the end, but that's yeah. okay. Uh-huh. Storm Cruise 2020 still could happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Only if they had the Russians on their side. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where we messed up. That's where they... We were too American. <laughs> so we led into, and, that, and that's what we do. We lead into evolution, which leads into last rights, which we've had... Uh, uh, by the way, uh, Bob Evans. Yep, Brutal Bob. Now, Brutal, Brutal Bob, Bob. Um, because we skimmed over this over the Sweet 16 mm-hmm. because he was in our Sweet 16 tournament. That's right. Uh, we had two guys from that had competed with our, our Ring of Honor in the Sweet 16 tournament. That was another fight that I had to put up to mm-hmm. get it, but it happened. Um, he did two wonderful seminars for us. He uh, taught us a lot. That's right. Um, I consider him a friend. Um, every time I see him, I give him a, give him a big hug. It's my Uncle Bob, you know. I enjoy Bob. Hanging and, with uh, Bob. Yeah. And um you know, he did a lot he did a lot for EWA in the in the year that, you know, he he was helping us out. I mean he helped Ken Phoenix. He was Bob linked me up with Ken Phoenix, who uh, eventually became the head trainer of the school for a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And um you know, and, and they got they got us a lot of a lot of things going on there. So it's it, it was uh 
it was some good stuff, man. It was some good stuff with Bob, and uh, I'm glad he helped us out as much as he could. Same with Wildman Congo. My man Congo, he was uh, he's always good, good guy. So yeah, yeah, and it was uh really good. Uh, it just the thing, the school was up and coming. You know, the shows were up and coming. You know, people were involved. There was a lot of people that were involved. You were getting everybody somewhere on the show. You know, somebody, everybody was doing something somewhere. Or there, if they weren't, there was a plan for everybody to do something somewhere. New students coming up. The future's looking really bright. You know, obviously management and the checkbook has definitely a lot to do with, you know, where this thing has gone, where it could have gone, where it was. But you still had a vision. You're still working hard. Still, you know, on the EWA. And then we lead into, uh, and Big Ugly, you saw a lot of this uh, heading out of 2016. If I'm glancing over something, please stop me. Oh, well. But um, where we're going to go into 2017, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about um, the show and the One Last Dance cage match. We're going to talk about Sweet 16, which was the tournament where, you know, not only you had your last match, but you won the Sweet 16 tournament mm-hmm. um, facing Sean Cannon, a former EWA superstar and now a current MCW superstar in other places. Yep. But that was the main event of the show. This is going to be the good part. This is the, Well, it's all going to be the good part. <laughs> but we're going to lead into that, and then it's going to lead into uh, the, you know, the mass exodus that you know, kind of happened. But uh, I say EWA is still standing. EWA, you know, the changing of the guard. We talked about this at the beginning of the podcast. There's always been, there's been a lot of changing of the guard. So it's up to management now what they want to do with it. But we're going to get into front stage stuff, backstage stuff. We're going to do it. We're going to get into 2017 and beyond. And uh, beyond. And we're going to do that in the Brian S. Gamble Behind the Storm. Big Ugly, are you having a good time? Oh, yeah, man. Hey, well, real quick, before we go to break, you better not turn this off because at this point, from here, I'm going to talk about what was supposed to happen after the Sweet 16. Well, I know we ain't going to turn it off. I, I know Big Ugly ain't going to turn it off. Yeah. But our listeners yeah. who have gotten this far... Stick with us a little further, because not only this is going to be our longest podcast, probably, it, it will probably it, it break our record. Is. Yeah, yeah, because I think so far the longest was our first, very first one. So this is going to okay. But this is what you're going to break some records here, hey. and we're going to have more downloads quicker than anybody else. But I mean, I tell you what, you know, everybody that's been on this podcast, everybody that's listened to this podcast, know that we're not right. We're not wrong. We're dirty or ugly or whatever. It works. It works. I don't know, man. You can't put me on the spot like that. What the fuck? We're just fans. Come on, man. Okay, we're just fans. All right, thank you. Uh, And bookers and wrestlers. And And ring announcers and ugly. But anyway, we're going to take a break. We're going to come right back. (laughs) Tell me to put that in the toilet. Fuck you. I didn't say that. You said something when you were on the way to the bathroom. (laughs) I said, I'm going to upper deck your toilet. Oh, I thought you said you want to flush that shit. You no. told me that's not the first time you said you were going to upper deck. I know, I said it last you time. You said at here. the end of the podcast, <laughs> I'm going to go upper deck Mikey D's toilet. All right, let's do it. Part three. This is good. I enjoy, I'm enjoying yourself. You you cool with this? You yeah, that's right. How are you? Good. All right. Let's do it. And give me the finger. We are no, we're back with Mikey D and the big ugly. The fuck? Behind the storm. Maybe no one's ever cut. <laughs> Part right. one and two of this podcast. You, I can't get you to speak, and then you just fuck you. Anyway, I'm so sorry. Pardon my language for all the kids that might be listening because we might have kids, kids. If you're listening up to this point, your parents, your need parents to need to fucking lose custody of you. All right. Oh man. So as he said, 
Brian S. Gamble, Behind the Storm, we're back. And this has been a very informative, illuminating podcast uh, about the behind the scenes. And again, we are not uh, condoning EWA Pro Wrestling. We're not bashing EWA Pro Wrestling or any other professional wrestling organization out there. This isn't what this is about. This is about... You know, there's a good six years of your life that you spent in one company, Mm -hmm. and it has sort of led you into and opened the door for what you're doing now and what you're going to be doing in the future. So this part of the segment is called 2017 and Beyond. But there's something in 2016 that we did not hit yet at the end of 2016, leading into 2017, (laughs) as you mentioned earlier, you do a lot of videos, a lot of editing, a lot of creative stuff, cinematic stuff, um, you know, that we put on not only YouTube, but a lot, you know, we led into doing the Facebook videos where you just scroll and it just, you see it and then it gets views. Yeah. So, you know, a couple hundred views, up to a thousand views. So there's something that you specifically wanted me to ask you about, and I want you to elaborate, and Big Ugly, you might enjoy this as well. This is actually pretty fucking funny. It, this All is right. pretty <laughs> so, entertaining. So let's talk about... As you put it, the quote-unquote stab video. So management, management was getting a little upset because our videos were getting a little more risque than normal with the supremacy storyline. They were pretty good. Yeah, uh, well, like with, with Mikey D almost getting his throat slit. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Um, yeah. uh, you know, people getting hit by cars repeatedly, and, and a lot of vehicular you know, manslaughter. Um, yeah, and it's just I was the the reason why I was pushing it's so hard was because I didn't want there to be a point where people started to like supremacy. I really didn't want that. So I, I, right. I wanted even though to, to come off as, but yeah, I know I wanted them to come off as bullies. Uh, and maybe I pushed too hard, which is why people did start to like them. But aside from the fact I needed them to be the baddest of asses. That was what I needed. And with Pat at the helm being the mastermind, which is how I was billing it, mm-hmm. and TJ slowly losing his grip on the leadership of the group, mm-hmm. um, you know, I wanted to have a, a point where, uh, you know, after TJ had lost the title at World War Z, he was now going to start focusing on me. Now, backstage stuff, backstage alert. I didn't want to do one last dance. I'm sorry if that disappoints anyone. I didn't want to fucking do it. Why is that? I felt like it had run its course. The TJ and Desert Storm thing, I felt like it ran its course. Mm. We touched um, on this earlier, and I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah. the I Quit match that happened in the summer of 2015. That, the, the, the ending that happened in that match was not the original ending. Right. That got um, changed a few that, times. That, cha- that ending got changed pretty much about an hour before the, yep. the I Quit match. Yep. The original ending for that was that I was going, after, after Alexis was super kicked, I was going to catch, I don't know, maybe three more of those motherfuckers until I was drooling. <laughs> and, and I said I quit so he wouldn't super kick me anymore. I was, I don't want to say coerced, but I thought at the times an, an idea that someone had passed my way would be the Corey thing. And Corey came out, interrupted, took it from TJ, and, you know, the rest is history. That w- But that was not the original ending. The okay. original ending was supposed to finish the storyline, but it yep. didn't. So TJ, for months, was trying to get me to fucking do it again, and I had refused over and over and over again. And then it got to a point where I was just like, all right. 
And this was around the time where I knew I was on my way out. He kidnapped your damn cat. Yeah. Well, yeah. supremacy kid. That was some good stuff, man. Yeah. You go from super kicking a handicapped individual in a wheelchair to, to somebody stealing your cat. cat. I will. I will admit that I that that idea did come from John Wick a little bit. I, I did get the idea from that a little bit. That too, makes too sense. That but the thing was, I didn't have a girl for him to kidnap. And and the way that we worked that storyline was that TJ was going to do to me all the things that I did to him. Mm-hmm. And it was basically what he did. He kidnapped something I cared about, held it hostage from me. Um, God, where? Well, oh God, it was some other shit. You know, I mean, he, he was just he. Oh yeah, the Harambe thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, um, now, oh when, my God. when I had snuck in the crowd, holding me, you know, I was in costume, like. Basically, what he was doing to me, he was doing everything to me that I had done, not just to him, but to supremacy. So the thing I did with the Dark Horses, see a little foreboding there. Mm-hmm. What I did to the Dark Horses with the Scream outfit, TJ was in a Harambe costume taking pictures with kids. I'm at my table trying to sell some gimmicks. He fucks me up <laughs> in the Harambe costume, super kicks me. <laughs> Loved it, by the way. It was, it was great. It was great. But anyway. That was some shit. So... And then, you know, this is where we get to the point where JT had gotten fucked up. Now, up to this point, from Faith No More 2 all the way up to now, we're at Last Rites. Faith No More 2 was in uh, spring 2016, yep. yeah. Yep. And we're up to Last Rites 2016. So we're talking, uh, was it May? Yeah, May. It was from May to October. Thank you. JT had been getting his fucking ass beat. Like, ridiculous. And on the last EWA ringside taping before Last Rites, um, JT had gotten JT at Russell West. Now West was uh, I'm not no sorry. West had wrestled um, Grizzly L. Yeah, one of the dark horses. No, it was Tomahawk. No, no it? Tomahawk. Yeah, it was sorry. Tomahawk. Okay, so he wrestled Tomahawk, and you know West up to this point had been neutral. He didn't want anything to do with the supremacy thing. He is the lone wolf. West Mercer, legendary super cruiserweight. All he cared about was his cruiserweight title. He didn't care about the supremacy crap. You know, because EWA had a history where factions would rise and then fall. That was the history of EWA. Yep. You know, it happened with the Christian Academy and sports management. It happened with the DOD, and uh, I think it was the Christian Academy again. Mm-hmm. It happened with, you know, it, it, it just, you know, that's just how it works. So, you know, um, the Dark Horses were about to start attacking Wes, and JT came out for the save, and JT got fucked the fuck up. <laughs> like, he got fucked up. And, like, so it became this running thing where when JT got fucked up, he got fucked up. Like, this one time Corey Bush came out, like, like JT answered a Maryland Championship Challenge from Bill Ward. This is where Corey Bush won the title. JT comes out to fucking take, take the challenge. He's like, yeah, I'm about to do it. Corey Bush comes out, fucks his ass up, stomps on him, steps on him on the way to the ring. Like, literally, the sound of JT screaming is something that rings in my ears quite often. Um... That poor man. That poor man. God but, bless him, though. He, you know, works yeah, he's hard. a trooper. So he's a damn trooper. But anyway, go so on. So now we got to the point where the stab video. Sorry, everyone. Got to build up. You know, that's how I tell. That's you telling a story. Um, so we get to the stab video, and what happened was everything was getting so risque that you know, I I had we had the idea. I think me and TJ, and I think a couple. This was like a group effort almost. Um, so I was like, all right, let's do it. We're going to film it. And uh, we filmed the stab video, which was basically, uh, you have Violet on one side, 
who is already at this point has just lost her fucking mind. And and uh, she's just really sadistic. And TJ on the other side, and JT's in the middle. Fucking mouth wrapped up. He's sweating his ass off, shirts off, whatever. And uh, JT was a, a kidnapped at yeah, he had been well during this storyline. Yeah. yeah, that's right. He was kidnapped shortly so. after appearing on this podcast. That's yes, <laughs> yes. So damn. So, so had a he, car he got battery hooked up to his damn nipples. But the thing was, nobody knew it was him. Nobody knew he got kidnapped until the video surfaced, and that was the first ever cinematic promo I had done, mm-hmm. um, where I filmed it that way to show me Jay, Jai Cole and Mikey D watching the video. So, um. But it wasn't the stab video. It was supposed to be the stab video. Supposed to be. So, you know, TJ takes the knife out. He goes, you're going to tell me what I want to know, which is basically that my cat is the most important thing to me. So he's like, you're going to tell me what I want to know, or, you know, or things are going to get a little dicey. <laughs> so, you know, he's just like, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. So TJ hands the knife to fucking Violet. Stab right in the fucking leg. <laughs> right in the goddamn leg. And I showed that video to management. <laughs> <laughs> I got several angry text messages after that one, so we had to refilm it, and that was the uh, car that became the video with the car battery to his nuts. So yeah, yeah. so I, so I can shock his nuts, <laughs> but I can't stab him in the leg off camera. So that's 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 uh, yeah. So the stab video exists, and by the way, uh, it will be put on Facebook pretty soon. That's what I'm talking. Probably about. Probably after this podcast goes up. All right. Yeah. Like the Spark Four Productions page, and you'll be able to fucking see it, assholes. Hey, don't call our listeners. Sorry, there's a little bit of Desert Storm. Damn. It was Desert Storm. God. Like my page, guys. I love it. Desert Storm was a face. Hire me. Hire me. At some point. Spark 4 Productions. Look, Spark 4 Productions, like it on Facebook. Hire (laughs) your video editing, your creative, whatever. You know the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast uh, logo? That's Spark 4 Productions. Spark 4 Productions did create the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast logo. Did you know that, Big Ugly? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. I didn't know it. Bought and paid for. You know, we we were friends, but you were like, fuck, you got to pay me anyway. So I'm like, all right, fine. Those are storms. Is it like the number four? It's the number four. Spark Spark 4. Spark the number four productions. Okay. Dot com. No, no. No, Just kidding. It's just Facebook. Well, it's coming. It's coming. But, all right. So, yeah, so now we got into the stab video. <laughs> As you got into the stab video, and now you do not want to do one last dance. I did not. But, okay. I mean, but at this, already at this point, he had convinced me that we were going to do it. And that's because I knew I was about to retire. So I was TJ like, you know what? TJ convinced you? TJ did convince me. And you're about to retire from the ring. Yes. Okay, go ahead. So I was like, all right, well, let's fucking do it. So we're, it's like, we're going to do it. We're going to build up to it. And that's it. So we went into one last dance. We've, we've talked about that and in length on this long form, as they say, mm-hmm. on this podcast. Yeah. Um, we all know what happened there. Uh, the story ended, but did it really? Because as I, was, as I was the referee for that match, it was so even keel, and it clock struck zero, and the match was over, but was it really over? And I raised TJ's hand. TJ won the battle, but I don't believe he won the war. It just showed that that feud over so much time, there could not be one decisive winner. In well, my opinion, yeah, no, you know, as a as as a guy who was refereeing, I know you're you're a fan of the story. As well. I am. Um, I was proud to have you it, guys have me in there. I knew it had to end that way. It had to. It, it you know, it, there had to be a decisive winner. Yeah, the bad guy won. You know, but it, it had to be. You know, this this is how it had to happen. It had to happen this way. Mm-hmm. You know, it it had to be close enough that it could have gone either way. 
but it was still decisive. It, it was, was like still, the ending of the original Rocky movie. Oh, I guess you could look at it. Like it that. goes the distance. Yeah. It could have gone either way, but the judges decide that Creed wins in, in the end. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? I mean, and that's, there it is. You had the three judges in the ring, and, you know, uh, Creed won. And I got my decision, mm. and I super kicked the shit out of TJ. Oh, man. Yeah. Man. So, so well, he we super are. kicked me earlier on in that year, yeah. so, you know. But anyway, one last dance, and and then we had our entire cage show. At that yeah. point, you're still the poker man. Uh huh. There's still several stories going on in that cage show. Uh, Lots of lot, stories. There's a lot of stories. One of the main ones was the, uh, oh god, what was it? Uh, was Joey Badami. Joey Badami. Uh, hashtag Pat Anthony in the main event. Yes, Joey Badami and hashtag Pat Anthony in the main event. Which we now, talked about in long form. But go ahead. I know you got more to say. Um. Management, was, they were starting to make some decisions um, in regards to certain people. Now, I remember really early on the podcast, we talked about this, where people weren't showing up and yep. people weren't around. And, and this it was, was hard way back to get when. A hold, yeah, it was hard to get a hold of people. And this played an important part, and it actually changed the results of some of the some of the matches come leading into Rage in the Cage and the Sweet 16 and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, original plan for the Rage in the Cage was that Joey Badami was supposed to get his revenge finally on Pat and defeat him for the championship. Uh, unfortunately, um, I guess, you know, he management felt he wasn't around uh, as much as he, as, you know, as they were, ha- they would like to have liked, liked him to have been at the time. And, you know, they decided to make a decision to change it uh, until, you know, he, was you know was was able bodied to you know be there more often. Um, but I can't. He on every show in two thousand and sixteen. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He was. Um, I, I'm guessing because he was just. You know, he. Uh, all of us have personal lives. You know, we oh, all have yeah. things going on. I believe Joey Badami just yeah. got married. As a matter of fact, he just got married. You know, so it's like. So it's one of those things where, um, you know, and it was the same with the Dark Horses uh, and and Mr. Jones. Um, Throughout the course of the supremacy storyline, backstage stuff, big, big ugly backstage stuff. Uh, the original plan for, because I guess we can move on. Go on, yeah. Now we talked about raging the cage. We can, we can pass. We can Go pass on. the Sweet Sixteen. Spoiler alert: I won the tournament. We yeah. Um, we, know. <laughs> uh, we know on my way out. And for those of you who want to talk shit, that was management's decision, not mine. Um. Because obviously I was on my fucking way out, and everyone, every I actually made my official announcement of the retirement uh, in after last rites. It was in November when I made the official announcement, and I made it to everyone there. But um, also backstage stuff, if you yeah. don't mind me putting this out there, mm. you know, you have another plan for your personal and professional life, so you pretty much made that clear to management. Yes, and our company in general, all of us. Um, shortly before Sweet yep. 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and the plan and everything that you, you know, built up in the story and, and you know, spoiler alert, wrestling is fake. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Predetermined. Predetermined. But anyway, there's a reason for it. But the thing is, the, the story still played out the same way. Yeah. You know, uh, you fought your way all the way through the tournament. You won the tournament facing the final boss, which was a fantastic idea, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Thank Sean Cannon, which was you. great. That, well, that's your idea. Well, he, look, and 
I asked him to do it because he was one of the guys that trained me. Yeah. He was one of the ones that was always at the school when we first started. That's when, right. When I first started. Yeah. And he beat me for the heavyweight championship. Yes, he did. And because of the way things, partial backstage stuff here, because of the way things happened at the show where he beat me for the heavyweight championship, um, I don't think, and I can't really speak for Cannon, um, but like I felt like I don't think either one of us was uh, satisfied with how things happened that night. So we... You know, I I wanted another chance. I wanted another crack at him, and I wanted to do it so where me and him could go through this and you know finish it the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it, 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 and it, I thought it worked out very well. Um, I agree for what we wanted. He he seemed you know okay with it at the end. Um, but. Yeah, but now we're heading into Faith No More 3, back to what I was saying earlier. Go ahead. Um, the, the original plan for Faith No More 3 was that Supremacy was closer to their takeover now. We had introduced a facet in the storyline uh, where the State Commission of Athletic Director uh, Vinny, Vers- oh, sorry, Vincent Versace <laughs> was, had found a clause, had found out there was a clause in, a, in the... EWA, uh, I guess, uh, what do we call it? The hand the rule book? The rule book or bylaws. That's what, yes, that's, that's, what bylaws. that's what management kept saying, the bylaws. That he who holds all the championships owns the company. Now, what do you think of that as a fan, Big Ugly? I've never heard it, but it's different. <laughs> it's different. See, the, now, the WWE expl- has a rule book. We got bylaws. But anyway, the, the explanation on. of that, though, was that because... That, that the way that I was going to have that happen was that because back way long time ago, uh, Jim Christian held all the championships all at once. So the way I was going to do it was I was going to double back and say, you know, that law was created by him because he held all the championships and he like shysted his way into doing it. Mm-hmm. That way the law stayed there because no one thought it would ever happen again. Q win supremacy. What was supposed to happen was TJ or Pat would be heavyweight champion. Uh, the Dark Horses would be tag champions. Jones would be Maryland champion. He was supposed to beat. He was supposed to beat uh, Jason Drake. Mm-hmm. Um, and West would continue to hold the cruiserweight championship. Now, with West holding the cruiserweight championship, that kept him in that neutral spot until that thing that you know I talked about the free practice session happened. West would finally after we begged and pleaded with him, would pick a side. It would be EWA side because if he lost that Cruiserweight Championship, which he cares more about than anything, then he would, uh, you know, we, the company would be gone. Supremacy mm-hmm. would have taken over. And with uh, Vincent Versace having his issues with management and EWA, uh, Vincent was helping them. Right. Which is how, if you remember one of the cinematic videos, Vince uh, drove... Uh, drove Wes off to a regular area where he was attacked. He was attacked mm-hmm. by supremacy. I don't know if you remember that. It was one mm-hmm. of the cinematic promos we did. So that was that was a big part of it, and that was something that was supposed to happen. It was supposed to culminate in a ten a ten man uh, Survivor Series style tag, where uh, and I never actually figured out exactly how the rules were going to work for this, um, but basically all the titles would be on the line in the main event. And EWA would have walked out. Uh, Joey Badami as heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Oddball, Ar- Odd, 
Damn, why, can't, why can't I fucking say that? The Oddball <laughs> Army would be the tag champions. Blood and Bird. Uh, Loge would regain the Maryland Championship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And Wes would retain as, as, as Cruiserweight Champion. Um, that's, that was the original plan for that. But because of what management did, uh, he wanted to put the tag championships on Blood and Bird early. Um, you know, and then the, you know, the whole thing with Mr. Jones and the whole thing with Badami so it was like things got kind of thrown in the mix and the, the match was still going to happen and with me retiring originally I was supposed to wrestle in it but with me retiring um, I was going to become a special guest referee mm-hmm. now there was a point in the storyline where Supremacy had turned on TJ what was supposed to happen is it was basically, basically going to be like a Negan Rick type deal for those who watched The Walking Dead where Pat would be your Negan TJ would become your Rick mm. and he would, and TJ would be forced to go against his will to uh, to you know the team with supremacy against EWA. Now EWA is not going to take TJ back because he's fucking jacked everybody up, kicking people in wheelchairs and yeah. shit. And so, announcers. Yeah, so shit. it would have been it would have been Sorry. a situation where, um, you know, TJ would have atoned for his crimes and turned back face, uh, and you know, causing supremacy side at the end the, the championship. All the championships and uh, yeah, so that was the original storyline yeah. for Faith No More Three. Ah, little caveat though. Caveat. Yeah, Jason Drake wouldn't have been happy with the fact that Joe Badami was heavyweight champion. It would have turned on him immediately right after the match was over, oh. which would have turned Jason Drake heel and would have set up Jason Drake uh, starting to challenge. Uh, for the heavyweight championship, um, which would have also played into uh, Corey Bush's comeback, coming back after the heavyweight championship against Joe Badami. So we would have had a three-way feud for the heavyweight championship between Jason Drake, Corey Bush, and Joe Badami. See? And what could have been? Now, before we go on to that uh, a little bit further, I know you had some plans a little bit further out in the year as well. Yeah. Um, you know, because you, you, your plan was still to be involved with EWA Pro Wrestling, Correct. to still be behind the scenes, to still be doing video editing, yeah. maybe a little creative here and there. Yeah. Um, your plans changed, and you're, you're off doing different things. Yes. That's, that's, uh, that's understandable. It happens. You know, people got to move on in life. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, you know what? And, and uh, you know, check out. I'm, I'm just going to put this over. You know, again, we're not here to bash anybody. But, you know, you want to check out, you know, Spark 4 Productions. You can do that. But you also check out M- M- MCW Pro Wrestling because, you know, you're doing some video work there. You're doing editing there. You're doing, uh, you know, filming promos. You're filming bumpers. Yeah. You're doing a lot of good stuff over there. And, yeah. and so are they. So support indie wrestling for damn sure. And support Brian S. Gamble because he got... So many kids out there probably he got he got mouse to feed. I have two. So there's <laughs> that. <laughs> he got five kids to feed. Oh you know? God. Anyway. So yeah, so okay. So you did bring up the fact that there were some plans for myself if I stuck around. Um, Can I mention one more thing? Yeah, sure. About Faith No More 3? Oh, yeah. Interaction? Mm-hmm. What was the original? <laughs> because we turned Interaction. That, All right. Okay. So we turned so we'll that talk into about what that. it was supposed to be, but why don't you go okay. in for the vision of what the, that was supposed to be? The original plan for Interaction was that the fans were going to choose over the period of time from the Sweet 16 to Faith No More 3. They were going to choose uh, matches opponents who was going to wrestle for what uh, basically your typical Cyber Sunday type show we're going to do it through text messaging we're going to do it through uh, voting like we've done the EWA year end awards mm-hmm. you know we're going to do it like that so that was the original form of interaction uh, that's what was what it was supposed to be um, 
which would have prominently uh, the poster for it that had the idea in my head, the Violet po It would have been Violet, would have been your front woman on that poster, and uh, it would have been see, awesome. Yeah, I mean, we, we did some things where we interacted a little differently with the fans. We let the fans, you know, kind of choose, you know, by fan reaction certain things. Pretty sure then, if that was the case, Jesse would be wrestling for the heavyweight title at the next show. Well, so. the <laughs> Maryland State Commission of Athletics kind of screwed that up, and mm -hmm. you know, because we knew, and because, and we got to put Jesse over here. We get Jesse over. Well, I know I'm getting to that. I, I, I'm that's part that. of what you were about to talk uh -huh. about. I know uh, that that's another hardworking man, just like JT Moore. Um, you know, yeah. so and, and Jesse is definitely still EWA Pro Wrestling, and Jesse, you know, has had some opportunities to shine. He's going to continue to have some opportunities to shine. But um, you know, the the original plan for EWA, you want more juice, don't you? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Desert yeah. Storm. Uh, I'm sorry, Brian has gamble. I, this motherfucker. He asked me for fruit. Now I don't know <laughs> about this mansion and fruit. Because, you know, I eat, we talk about cheesesteaks on this podcast. Sure, we don't talk right. about damn fruit. Yeah. But why don't, I'm going to get you a refill. I don't know what kind of fucking mansion doesn't have goddamn fruit. This is orange juice from Tropicana. I'm putting them over. There's no pulp in this. Right, so man. there's fruit. That's another. Orange juice. Why don't you bring fruit? I like time? to chew my orange juice, Mikey D. Damn it. Pulp, pulp chewing. Pulp-free orange juice is the best, man. That's you can't what I'm I want to eat my orange juice with a spoon, all right? Uh, well, you can do a that on orange even. Julius or, you know, whatever. But anyway, <laughs> why don't we go into, you know, further for your plans. I'm, I'll get you a refill. Why don't you, you talk with Big Ugly about... After Faith No More 3 interaction, which you were actually... Oh, no, I got to go back a little bit well, to talk about Jesse. I got to. Oh, that's a, that, well, well, that's a, that's a huge part of it. Jesse. Well, no, go we, we got to start back first. Okay, so... Jesse O'Ryan, go ahead. Jesse O'Ryan. So Jesse, uh, we started a storyline with him. Uh, I, I wanted to definitely do something different. He was a big part of those cinematic uh, promos. Now, there was a promo that started... Uh, I, I, what I like to call the nope promo. Did you ever see the nope promo? I don't think so. All right. Mikey D did. So the nope promo was basically, uh, it was around the time right before Rage in the Cage, and it was just a random ass promo where uh, a cinematic style promo. You're uh, welcome. Which, by the way, backstage stuff, I was going to create a show based off of these cinematic promos, and I was going to call it EWA Ringside Stories. That's what I was going to call it. Mm. So anyway... Ray Burns staying, sitting in the ring uh, with the cage around him. He's just sitting there. Joey, uh, not Joey. Jesse walks in, turns on the light, and Ray Burns sitting there. And, you know, Ray Burns looks at him. Jesse goes, nope, turns the light back off, leaves. That's literally it. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, so that was it. So that one was really popular. So I was like, okay, let's... Let's expand on that a little bit. So next thing you know, we had we built into the storyline that Jesse is being allowed to stay at the school while he's trained to become a referee, and he's you know learning to you know learning the ropes. But he doesn't have any place to stay because I wanted to build on this huge narrative with him, big time narrative. So then, after uh, I think it was at Rage in a Cage, the uh, the what was it? God. Um, it was a tag team match. Mm -hmm. Jesse was refereeing. It. That's right. And um, JT was was masking as El Bucanero Negro with Tony Macko. Um, they lost. You know, they lost the match that the uh, Bloodenberg. That's where they became. Is that where they became tag champions again? Uh, was that? The or match? they defended? No, 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 they defended it. 
Ooh. Yeah, because, right, because Tony Macco and El Bucanero Negro were getting a shot. Like, you know, right. these two underdogs that were kind of put together, and the story was, you know, they were given a shot in the cage to wrestle for uh-huh. the tag team titles. Yeah, so with with uh, Bucanero getting, he was attacked on the way out. Bucanero gets carried to the back, comes back out towards the end of the match. It's JT, pulls the mask off, throws it down, whatever. He helps Bloodenberg win. Tony Macco's pissed off, which, is suppo- which was supposed to lead into a feud. Uh, over the Maryland Championship between JT and Tony, mm-hmm. that was that was what was next for them. Uh, but back to Jesse, the mask was left thrown in the ring. So, you know, Jesse, you know, he he raises their hands, Bloodenberg, they're dancing, whatever, um, you know. But now Jesse's getting into it. So, but he looks down, and he sees the mask, and he just kind of stops and just stares at it. You know, that was what was supposed to happen. Backstage stuff, one of the fucking security guards took the mask out of the ring. He wasn't supposed to. So they kind of threw things off a little bit. But anyway. Some bit. So then we filmed, uh, you know, I filmed after the nope thing that he, um, the mask was kind of haunting him a little bit. But it's the video, if you look on EWA, uh, his web, uh, their Facebook page, the video is called The Haunting at North Point. Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, he's being haunted by the mask. Uh, he leaves, he tries to run out of the building, uh, and, you know, the mask is in his back pocket. Uh, there's a follow-up video where me and Wes are talking, and Jesse's there after we turn the lights off and the whispering and the voices start talking again. You know, he's hearing voices, and he's blaming the mask and all this shit. Like, the mask is, like, fucking talking to him. So, what was eventually supposed to happen, and this is the point where we never got to, What's supposed to happen was Jesse was going to take over the El Bucanero position. Um, he was going to, um, you know, continue this, you know, this this thing that was going on with the mask and it haunting him and all this other shit like that. Um, and this is where Rayburn came in. We're going to go back to the Rayburn thing, where Rayburn was going to uh, take on a much more darker persona. While at the same time, Tony Macko was taking on a much more darker persona. Mm-hmm. Um, they were going to come together as a tag team and basically start to beat the hell out of, out of Jesse. Mm-hmm. This is the part that's going to end up blowing your mind. Yeah. So, meanwhile, I'm still here. I am uh, I'm basically Apollo's campaign manager. He's going to continue on. I'm not doing this anymore. Diamond's manager. Apollo starts a feud with Tony, in which uh, I turn on Apollo. Mm. Effectively breaking up Storm Cruise 2020 and joining uh, Tony Macko, Deacon Storm. I mean, Tony Macko and Rayburn as Deacon Storm, where basically we become this like religious right dark (laughs) shit. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, now, in the midst of all that, Jesse would be on Apollo's side. So you have the point where Jesse and Apollo are teaming against uh, our new group, Tony Macko and Rayburn, while we're trying to recruit. Um, we're trying to recruit Jesse into the group. Because, you know, obviously he's got some shit fucked up with him, with the voices and everything. So he has some sort of haunting presence on him. What it was going to turn out to be was that it wasn't the mask at all. The mask had nothing to do with it. He actually was hearing the voices in his head, (laughs) which was going to force him to go fucking crazy 
And, you know, he would be our, you know, our, our resident lunatic, motherfucker, uh, badass, Jesse Orion. Uh, so, yeah, that was what was supposed to uh, happen. That was going to lead us, you know, further past into, you know, evolution, last rites again, if we did last rites this year and stuff like that. Mm. So that's what was supposed to happen there. Damn. Wow. That's some, uh, that's some good stuff. That's some deep shit. Yeah. Yeah. Man. So, uh, as we kind of wind down here, let's talk about the rest of 2017. What, uh, what else was in the, in the cooker, so to speak, you know, what else was there for whether it be the heavyweight championship, the Maryland championship, the tag, the cruiserweight, the story going into evolution and last rights. What was, what was the plan? Well, my idea for, uh, uh, I didn't get as far as last rights. My idea for evolution was that um, I was going to call it. <laughs> you're gonna laugh at this. Uh, this is partially me and me and Pat. We were fucking around when I said this, but behind the uh, storm. Yeah, behind the storm. <laughs> and um, it was. It was uh, we call it. By the way, um, the the commission, the state commission of athletics, me and Pat. 50-50 on that idea. A lot, a lot of that had to do with Pat. Okay. Um, but you no, know, me and Pat talk a lot. So me and TJ too. So we, we come up with shit. Um, I was gonna call it Evolution AF. I know what AF means. Big yeah. ugly. You no, know I what it means. Yeah, I got it. Okay. So it was gonna be a double entrant. So it was gonna be like. You know, like me being stupid and going, "This evolution is fuck." You know what I mean, like that. <laughs> but the AF was actually gonna stand for all fight which was going to bring in a new element into the whole evolution thing. Um, we're basically, you know, we're, we're all fighting for it. It's a fight for everything, mm-hmm. you know, everything. And I was going to have, I was going to suggest we have people from each, each fed, because at this point we had had Sean Cannon come back. So I wanted to try to build the bridge with MCW between EWA and work to try to get more people. So I wanted to try to get MCW people there. I wanted to try to get ACW people there. Uh, that would have been it. But, you know, I would have, but like I wanted to, you know, try to work that and, you know, keep that going mm-hmm. and have this huge, basically in a way, but not in a way, have this huge Maryland wrestling event mm-hmm. happen all at mm-hmm. once. And evolution, evolution all fight. But, that would have uh, been cool. Yeah, that would have been dope. Yeah, that was that would have been the plan there. If um, uh, I guess if the managements of each of the companies that are around could kind of get on the same page and realize, you know, in, in my opinion, there's 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 room enough out there for everybody to play. Everybody's going to play it differently. You know, there's there's not one baseball team out there. There's you want more orange juice, don't you? No, I'm good. I'm good. Jesus Christ. You, you chug that. I'll like, drink it right out of the fucking bottle. I'm sure you would. Please don't because, you know, I don't know where you I will have the pee before I leave. Uh, well, just don't upper deck my toilet. I'm like going to pee right into the fucking top. God damn. <laughs> Son of a bitch. All right. But anyway, in my opinion, again, there's, there's room for everybody to play. That's why there's so many baseball teams. That's why there's so many football teams. You know, if you have one, you know, even the WWE is – they have one product, but they have so many different elements to that product. You know, they have Raw, they have SmackDown, they have NXT, they have 205 Live. They now have the the Women's Classic coming up soon. You know, they have so many different things, and then they have pay-per-views, and then they have television, and then they have network specials, and then there's something for everybody. In my opinion, you know, there's a, there's a place for everybody to play. And if everybody could get together, something like what you just said about the evolution idea, AF, 
everybody could get together and at least for, you know, little bits and pieces here and there. But I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? You can't tell the future. But right now, I, I don't see that happening. But I don't know. I just believe there's room for everybody to play, well, in my opinion. Well, and, and that's what's happening. Everyone's playing. Everyone's playing. Everyone's playing. And, um, you know. And it's, uh, you know, there, there are different opportunities in different places. Yeah. Um, all I can say to anybody uh, it's just you know. If there's a, is there if there's ever anything that you want, and that's out. This is outside of wrestling. This is just in life in general. Just work as hard as you can for it, because you, if you're gonna half-ass it, you're not gonna get it. And I spent three years working as hard as I possibly could, and it's. I'm not gonna say it's got me to where I'm at, but it's definitely prepared me. Yeah. And that's what that's what's important mm-hmm. is having the preparation and, and you know being there. So. I mean, I know someone's going to listen to this and just think that, you know, I'm some dude this full of shit that doesn't know what he's fucking talking about. I'm all I'm saying is, you know, hard work pays off. And if you disagree with me on that, then I don't know what to tell you. I think you're right. And big ugly, Absolutely. I think right. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and that gives whatever you're doing, you know, in life. Yeah. You gotta you gotta work hard at it. You know, no matter where you're at or what you're doing, you gotta you gotta give 110. percent Because if you don't, then why you, why are you doing it? Yeah. What's the point? worth doing is worth overdoing. Yeah, yeah I agree you with you. That right. And like as you said, you've had a platform to, you know, you it's not necessarily that you were preparing for the next stage in your life when you were on this platform. You were trying to do the best you could. You know, with where you were at, you were trying to get the people, the promotion the fans, everybody involved, and you were trying to bust your ass to do it. And unfortunately, you didn't necessarily get to where you wanted to be personally and professionally, but other opportunities came up where you could get where you wanted to be personally and professionally, and you had no beef with anybody or anything. It was just, and you even came on this podcast and you said, you know, hey, EWA Wrestling's still going to be around, and, and it is. EWA Pro Wrestling's still around, and it's up to, and we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, up to the management to keep it around. Yeah. You know, the people that are working with that company, myself included, can do everything that we can do and we'll work as hard as we can, but it's ultimately, you know, I don't, I don't run the show. Well, I'll, I'll say this much. You know what I'm saying? I'll say this much. Yeah. When if you if you feel like your leadership doesn't believe in the product, then the the you know your 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 people aren't going to believe in it. I believe with where I was in EWA because I believed so strongly in EWA at the time. It it elevated everyone else to believe just as hard mm-hmm. and just to work just as hard and, and put together. Even, even you know, if people say, oh, man, that's, that's whatever. It's like, okay, it's, it's whatever, you know, but we believed in it. We enjoyed ourselves. We had a good time. Yeah. And if if the guy t- at the top doesn't believe in it, then your people are down bottom are going to believe in it. And where I'm at right now, there is, there is you know, nothing but trust in the man up top and it, or the men up top I should say because there's several pieces up there and everybody trusts them to point us in the right direction and they you know we feel like they are because they are, they've pointed so many others in the right direction and I have no you know I have no ill will towards anyone because I say this all the time but I mean they you know they they know they know what I want. They know what I want. And they care. And because of that, I care. 
So let's talk about that um, a little bit where you are now um, at MCW. So, you know, tell us a little bit about your role there now compared to, you know, what you're doing at EWA, um, MCW, a different company. I would also like to know um, MCW is known for bringing in like former WWE superstars. How is it working in that environment compared to like EWA where everybody's kind of homegrown? So. Um, okay, so first, my role, um, I, I film, I edit, I record. Uh, anything that is, you know, video related is pretty much me. Uh, they have given me the reins to do that, and I appreciate that wholeheartedly. I'm not booking anything. Are you trying um, to get back to booking? No, 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 I am 100% happy where I'm at. Look, man, you don't know how many sleepless nights. You don't know how many sleepless nights, man. And all it, it, it's, it literally is a twenty-four hour job. Man. Okay. And I wasn't even at that level. Yeah. Fuck. You know. <laughs> but. Well, this is another thing you said when you started booking. You you never booked professional wrestling in your life. You didn't know you were going in blind, pretty much. Yeah. So when you're going into this, the video, the editing, this is what you were. You've gone to school for this. Yeah, I've gone to you've school. You've trained for, it. for this, and mm-hmm. you've done it. You know, even for yourself and and freelance for so long. Yeah. So you are fully well. Maybe you know new new surroundings, new equipment, new situations, new management. But mm-hmm. you have a base for what you're doing. Yeah, and you know that's having that understanding with the base is a big a big part of why I'm there. Uh, because I understand what they're looking for. Yeah. You know, and and if I'm a little bit off kilter, they, they rein me in. They're like, okay, this is what, like, this is kind of what we're looking for. And I go, okay, I understand the vision. Let's do it. You like that? Great. Awesome. Cut, print. Let's go. You know, let's move on. Let's get the next one out there. Uh, so it's, you know, that that's, that's what my role is. Now, as far as um, being in that environment, working with, uh, people who have been to the big show, you know, uh, Joey Matthews just joined the school as a head trainer of the advanced class. Um, you know, and I've worked with a couple of the guys that brought in filming bumpers and stuff with them. Um, there's a level of professionalism that, and this this is not to call the people in EWA professional. There's a level of professionalism that there that you can't teach. You know, down there on the level of EWA. It, you know, you can be professional, but there's a lot of people that don't necessarily understand what um, what it takes to get to that next level. And, and, it, and it does take a lot of hard work. And it takes a, a lot of, you know, checking yourself and your ego at the door because there's much bigger, bigger egos out there. And there's people out there that are better than you. And once you realize that, you can go, all right, what am I doing that's not as good? How do I get better? And that's really the biggest question you always have to ask yourself. How do I get better? Over and over and over again. So yeah, you you have you there's it's a different environment. Obviously, you know, if it wasn't, then there wouldn't be two environments. There'd only be one. Mm-hmm. But it is a different environment. But uh, you know, there there is a place to. It's a lot of places to do a lot of different things. Like you said, you you didn't mean to cut down EWA, and I know you didn't. But it's 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 different. It's, it's that's all it is. Yeah. But like you just said, you know, if you if you want it, you got to work for it, and you got to know in yourself what you want to do. If you know, depending on where you live, what you do, what your personal life is, what your goals are in life, whether it be to get to the next show or to get to the next level or to get to the WWE, whatever your goals are, you know, you got to try to do everything you can to get to that right place. Whether it's Training one night a week, training seven nights a week, you know, studying video, going out, seeking, you know, training, whatever it is. 
but there's you know a lot of places to do that and you're getting to see that yeah so now we we talked about another promotion that you work with can we talk about which one? Row. Oh, row. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about so, it? So, all right. So, um, yeah, you do some work with Bring of Honor. So, like, tell us a little bit about what uh, you're doing it's, it's freelance. Um, I I have, uh, you know, developed a, you know, a, a small professional relationship with the, uh, the, the crew, the camera crew up there and uh, the production crew. So, you know, when, whenever they're around, they're, they're in a close proximity. I head up there, you know, or down there, depending on where they are. And uh, I help them out. You know, um, you know, I'm, I'm not like on their like payroll or anything like that. Like, you know, but I, I love doing the job, and um, it's nice to work on. You know, I, I I never thought I'd ever say it. You know, I've, I've worked production on wrestling in a wrestling pay per view, worked production on a wrestling syndicated television show. You know, it's really nice to be able to say that. Unfortunately, I can't add to my credits or anything like that. But I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like, holy fuck, I did that. You know, and I love doing it. Even though it's long days, holy crap, it's long days. But I really like. Do doing you that. prefer as a filmmaker the running gun of like you know the one man shoots like you've been doing, or compared to like a more bigger production like Ring of Honor? It all depends on what, is, what we're shooting. Okay, shooting a wrestling show, I prefer what I prefer how Ring of Honor does it. Yeah. Multiple camera. I mean, that's how that's how we do it at MCW too. Right, um, right now, I've been editing. I'm almost done. I'm pretty much actually. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, editing Slamboree. Uh, the show that just passed and um, you know we had four cameras nice you know with with uh, EWA it was two right sometimes yeah <laughs> you know so it's yeah. like you know yeah. it, I, I like it for that but when it comes to filming like a cinematic like promo or some sort of story I kind of like a one man and maybe a two man yeah um, but I like to keep it like that yeah I got a nerdy question for you what you shooting on we are using a Sony. I can't remember the actual. Uh, God damn it! I can't remember the actual model number right now. This escapes me. But we have uh, we have HD uh, DV cameras. We have uh, we have broadcast style cameras, okay. and we also use DSLRs. All depending on what we're using it for. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. We yeah. have the Yeti. <laughs> anyway, but. Uh, I, I've got two more things before we wrap up this podcast. Big Ugly, you got any other questions, comments, or concerns at this point in time? No, I got my nerdy film stuff out the way. I'm good. Nerdy. <laughs> um, I want to thank Brian S. Gamble for uh, going behind the storm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we appreciate you. You know, you've been on this podcast as a, as a, as a guest in so many different capacities at this time. Mm-hmm. And we appreciate you. And we appreciate you giving us some ideas to further our podcasting. So thank you so much. And I want to thank you personally and professionally for everything you did in EWA Pro Wrestling. Because there's a picture that people can't see, but if we do this video thing, you're going to see it. But, you know, this is backstage stuff. Legit backstage backstage stuff. (laughs) And, you know, all the work that, you know, we all did together and, and whether we were on the same side whether we were enemies I mean it has all led up to having this conversation right here today you know I'm glad to know you I appreciate you thank you you know thank you seriously and uh, you know I just hope that it's not just to eat my fucking food or drink my orange juice or whatever but you know let's clarify you have not given me any food let's clarify you haven't asked for food well you got he asked for fruit. Son of a... He did fruit. ask for fruit, but I gave you orange juice. <laughs> the fuck? What kind I, of shit is that? Damn it. I, it's fruit. But anyway, so I, I just want to thank you. And again, this podcast is not to 
build anybody up, push anybody down. It's just... Oh, we can't build anybody up, man? Speaking, you can build up yourself. We bashed a lot of people, so... We didn't bash nobody. <laughs> Controversy sells, man. Just let Controversy them Controversy I hate everybody, goddammit. Because yeah, um, this is going to be like the second part. So that's that means they skip the first part. They got to go back and listen. Yeah, but you can go back and listen to all kinds of in the archive. Wait, is this getting released in two parts? It may. It I don't may. know. We probably have three hours right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we, we, should, we, we should split it up, and then we'll mark, and then we'll put the first one out, and we'll be like, all right, next week we're gonna release the second one. Then that one gonna blow you, up. You, you're the editor, man. But yeah, you are the editor. I don't know what the fuck. I gotta, I gotta take a piss. I gotta, I gotta take, take a, a piss. piss. Yeah, I gotta take a piss. In the middle of, in the, middle the, of the podcast. In the middle of the podcast. We ain't hey, done. I guess that ends the podcast. No. Fucker, you said thank you like eight times. Like, I got. <laughs> well, look, me and Big Ugly gonna talk about something, but I got one more thing. One, flush one my more, damn toilet. One more thing, God. man. You got seven guess, hey, toilets. We got, in the we got a couple minutes while he's gone, man. Let's just jump into this money in a bank real All quick, right. man, and discuss this. I got some quick notes here. All right, quick notes. All right, so Jinder Mahal is still the heavyweight champion. He's growing on me. Uh, he's growing on everybody because he's got the biceps. He's, yeah. you know, he's growing. Uh, Baron Corbin is Mr. Money in the Bank. How you yeah. feel about that? I think I called that, didn't I? You did call uh, that. Yeah, because we were here. Yeah, We that. were here yeah. in, the mansion, in the mansion, and you called I that. Um, you know, we have... Uh, the female Miss Money in the Bank, which was Carmella with the help of James Ellsworth. Yeah, which people were pretty upset about that. Did you hear? Did you yeah. Read about that? Yeah, there was upset. a really yeah. a lot of heat about that. About that, about Ellsworth helping out. Like, which I, I found it was unnecessary, man. Like, just let the women do the thing. I get Ellsworth is, you know, a heater for Carmella. I just didn't feel like that was the time or place for that interference. It, it, I just didn't feel it was necessary. I agree with you 100%. Something tells me I could have seen it coming, though, the way they had yeah. him just in there, yeah. all the promos, everything right. like that. And, I mean, just imagine the first women money in a bank, man. It just it, it just doesn't seem right that it was a man that actually got the briefcase. Yeah. We should have had that shot of a woman going up there getting that briefcase. And now they're going to do it again. On SmackDown. Right. Um, the same match, the yeah. same competitors, but Ellsworth is banned from ringside. Which, yeah. So, the I don't know. Is lost, but They're going to okay. do it again. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brian, are you all right behind yeah. the storm? Yeah, man. Okay, good. He's uh, touching my Mario. Uh, but anyway, check this out. Uh, you know, we, we, we know you're a busy man. You got lots of things and lots of white women, uh, you know. You said it, not me. I, I You said it earlier. It is true, though. On the first hour of this there's podcast. There's some white women waiting. I'm sure there are. <laughs> Wait, can you bring them up here to the mansion? Hey, man, don't you have a girlfriend? <laughs> yes, I have a girlfriend. <laughs> Almost one year now, sir. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't say anything right. about it. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this shit with her. What minute is this? What minute is this? Go to the two uh, two hours and forty four minutes. <laughs> I just say if you brought them up here, I'm talking about getting people on the podcast ratings. <laughs> this is all I'm talking about. <laughs> hey, you know what? I wanted I wanted to do this, and this was my idea. So big, big ugly. I hope you don't mind. Uh, you ever watch Inside the Actor Studio? Yeah. You seen it? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got James Lipton there, and at the end, he always does this questionnaire from Bernard Pivot. Okay. So I want to do it with you. All right, fine, let's do it. So, Big Ugly, uh, you know, check this out. I'm going right, to do this do with, the, with uh, Desert Storm. So, what is your favorite word? Fuck. Curse word is later. Your favorite word is... Okay. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Oh, man. Uh... Did you just fart? There it is. 
<laughs> Do you love the sound of farting? My, my farts. Oh. Yeah. Well, at least if they sound better, they probably don't smell bad. What sound or noise do you not like? Oh, God. Who? Somebody's voice. There's this person's voice. Hopefully uh, it's not mine, because I'm the voice of Maryland. Uh, I don't know. I have to get back to you. Mother... Probably not. Probably not. Damn it. They can't give me this shit. I'm let me see. Put you on the spot. What sound do I like? High-pitched noises. Okay. Thus, your ex-wife. Um, sorry. Which one? That's true. Um, the first one. I want to be clear. I, I understand that. <laughs> um, let's... You probably already answered this. What is your favorite curse word? Fuck. Okay. So, um... Cockballs, dick! That, <laughs> you get one, but he's got four. <laughs> um, what profession, other than what you're in right now, would you love to try? I do so much stuff, though, man. You do so much stuff. Like, I, like literally, I'm doing everything I want to do. Really? Yeah. Okay. If there was something out there, veterinarian, heart surgeon, race car driver, hmm. anything like that, would you love to try? The sound guy. The sound guy. Being... Well, I'm fucking doing that, too. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to do sound. Well, you know, sometimes you gotta have to. Oh, uh, let me see. Uh, you gotta give me a second here. I'm um, giving you, know you a what? second. You know what? I would like... To not full time, I would love to work in a casino. Okay, see, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Casinos are fun 24 7, and there's always mm -hmm. women. And always booze. Always booze. Mm -hmm. What about uh, a profession that you would absolutely not want to do? Uh, cleaning up shit. <laughs> well, hopefully, you did in my bathroom because hopefully, you didn't leave that. Mm -hmm. um, so, the last question that is if there is a heaven, and if you're going there, after everything that we talked about on this podcast, what would you like to hear God say to you when you get to the pearly gates? It's party time. That's what I'm talking about. That's right. And you want to hear goodbye horses, and you want to hear God. You want to see God pull out that chapstick. Yes. That is what I'm talking about. Big Ugly, I think we can end the podcast right there. What do you think? It. It's party time. Hey, man. Thank you for listening to the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Listen to all the archived episodes. My name is Dirty Mike. I'm the Big Ugly. And we are going to be left by... I love you, Apollo! The bra. Bro bromance, everyone. And, oh, uh, hey, hey, real quick. Bro Are you bro enough is happening? I just want you to know that. Are you bro enough? It's happening. We, we heard a little bit about this at the Metallica concert when we yeah. ran into Apollo Crews. It's happening. And Are You Bro Enough? Make sure to look out for that on uh, Brian S. Gamble Facebook Spark page. Spark 4 Productions. Spark 4 Productions and also probably Kenny Harmon, Apollo Crews, the baddest man in Maryland. So we thank you for listening. We'll be back at you soon talking about more pro wrestling. Did I miss anything on Money in the Bank? We'll get back to it another time. We got so much to talk about. Three, two, one. Deuces. Deuces.